American correspondent Spanky here. In a recent episode of Sonic the Comic the Podcast, you have mistakenly referred to the snack Now and Laters as Now or Laters. I just wanted to let you know that you're wrong, and I think the journalism in this podcast is pants. Hey, boomers! Welcome to another Sonic the Comic the Podcast, the podcast that delves into the old British UK Sonic comics. Made by God, I haven't done this in a while. It's been two episodes <laughs> since we did it, Dave. We go one on, one off. Welcome to the show that never ends. It's Sonic the Comic the Podcast. Say the thing I say. I don't know what you say, I don't you, listen. You, you edit the episodes every week. <laughs> You're saying a sensational guide to the online world of Sonic and Sega and no Sega superstars. It's just Sonic and Knuckles and Tails and his friends. Are you really happy with that? No! <laughs> we need to write it down. No, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to incorporate a bit of what they've got in the control zone now, because it is a little bit different. Check this out. Okay. Hey, boomers! Welcome to your fortnightly guide to the world of Sonic the Comic, STC, and Sega, and the world of the 1990s in the UK's official Sega Comics on the Comic. We are the humans who think we're in charge. Look at the camera and say, Blair. <laughs> I'm Dave Bulmer. And my name is Chris McFeely, and folks, this week STCTP stands for Sonic the COVID the uh, Pandemic, because uh, I've no. got it, but I'm uh. still here, soldiering on for you at home. But yes. if you like my new sonorous low tones, <laughs> you can enjoy this episode. Just don't expect too many voices. I can see it in your sonorous low eyes. You've got a certain coldiness about the eyes, I can see. There's something swimmy in there. <laughs> Hope you'll be all right for the duration of this. If not, I don't. If not, shut up and I'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> if not, it's up to you. Do it yourself. Uh, well, we got bubble trouble uh, in on the cover of this episode. It says it's a gas. It's a it's a ga- gas dash p, which of course means it's a gold and silver prize. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny that it requires you to know yeah. that Sonic gasps the air out of bubbles. I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because it's supposed to be like, it's a gas. <laughs> this bubble trouble story, it's going to be a gas. It's going to be fun. It's, yeah. it's a gas. But it's a gas because Sonic yeah. gulps the air out of bubbles. Because because the cover illustration is Sonic. Mm. But he's not He's not gulping air out of bubbles. He's trapped in a bubble. Yeah, he's punching his fist through it and everything. He's trying to get out of this bubble he's trapped in. Complete story Tails. Complete story Megadroid. Conclusion Knuckles. A <laughs> little yeah. equation on the cover for you there. Tails <laughs> plus Megadroid. Conclusion Knuckles. Yeah, it's a very rappy uppy standalone sort of issue, isn't it? It is, yes. I, could, oh, I, I like myself a standalone rap now and then from an Italian restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Plus Olympic graphic zone with new Crayola prizes. What more? Or is it the same one? Well, they didn't. No, they told us they were going to change oh. last issue, and now they right. have changed this issue. Right, the mini stampers. Yes. Plus reviews, the Q zone, and more. This is Sonic the Comic number eighty-three, cover dated August the second, but released on July twenty-fourth. Ooh, we're about halfway through the summer halls now. Oh God, yes, it'll be up to big school soon. Mm. We're gonna have to mingle with the big kids. Mm. Don't like big kids, the scary. Did you ever have a control zone, Dave, that so blew all the enthusiasm out of you with literally its first sentence? Uh, what's its first sentence? Hey, boomers, have we got... 
have we got a sporting issue for you? Oh, no! Despite the Euro 96 footy championships being well and truly over, that global games event, the Olympics, is in full swing right now. And to celebrate... I mean, that's better, but... Not by much. Yeah. And to celebrate, Sonic and Co. get on their marks for some athletic action in the graphic zone. If you're looking for more physical activity, then run your fingers through to the Q zone. Tenuous, but I have to applaud it. <laughs> they just didn't understand us at all. <laughs> well, they didn't understand me and you. I feel like we're starting to That's meet... That's what I meant by us when uh, I said yeah. us. I specifically meant you and I feel me. like we're starting to meet more people who were like us, but liked sports, and that concerns me greatly. Weirdos! I, yeah, what's How going on? they wind up like that? <laughs> That is the question. How can you like this and that? I don't know. Is it that you're a more rounded individual than us? Can't be. Can't be. How dare you? It is the kids who are wrong. (laughs) Story-wise, this issue features a special multimedia, multi-talented personality. Me! Uh, Yeah, we kind of blew past the mention of it on the cover there, but as we learned last issue... Having received enough fan mail to wedge open the office door, Megadroid thought it was time you boomers knew more about my daily doings at STC and how annoying my Hume colleagues are. If you want to read further adventures about yours truly, write in or email me. I'm awaiting. I'm waiting. What annoys me? Is that I don't think they're aware that's something Sonic says. I think they just read yeah, that. No, I think it's one hundred percent on accident. <laughs> because it's not specifically something no. Sonic says. It's just, uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's just a little reminder that it's grown ups making this. But no, I quite right. I'm glad. <laughs> Give us Megadroid comics. Trepidatious about this bit where it says here, Tails encounters someone from his past. Find out who in hidden danger. There's a, there's a lot of characters that could be that I'm not interested that in. Tails has run into a lot of, of folk <laughs> that I would be glad to see the back off to never see again. Also, they got the title of the story wrong. It's called Mystery Villain, not Hidden Danger. That's weird. But we knew that already because they called it Mystery Villain last. There were two stories called Hidden Danger, so they already they'd already messed up once. There was the one back in <laughs> issue twelve with Steve Owl. Remember Mark Miller's yeah. Hidden Hidden? What's it called? The Hidden Zone, the Secret Zone, something like that. I think mm-hmm. it was the hidden zone with all the keys and everything. And then yeah. just just five minutes ago, there was that two-parter <laughs> in Sonic's world with the invisible robot. So, so then that is most likely the reason that yeah, they're not calling they, this one hidden yeah. danger. I suppose, yeah, they'd probably have allowed a repeat. Well, no, we clearly have the evidence that they would have allowed <laughs> a repeat would. Yeah. if they were reusing a title from seventy issues ago, yeah. um, <laughs> but uh, not one from three minutes ago. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Guardian of the Floating Island grapples with the Guardian of the Mobian Channel in the conclusion to Troubled Waters. Now, we wrap up the Control Zone, the last thing Megadroid says here in his little box, and then a little descriptor for the Q Zone down below. Megadroid says that the Review Zone is looking at Sonic 2 and Sonic and & Knuckles again, because Sonic 2's been re-released and Sonic & Knuckles has... I, I don't know if it's been re-released. I'm guessing drop the price. It says they've re-released Sonic 2 plus Sonic and Knuckles at giveaway prices. Yeah. But then also, in upcoming issues, the Q-Zone is going to be looking at the classic Sonic games too. And do you know, while I think the review zone clings on a bit, uh-huh. I think this is the death of the Q-Zone now. Yeah. I think this is the... the I wouldn't even call it a slow death. I think that once they script their way through the Sonic games, uh-huh. I, th- I think this is the beginning of the end for the Q-Zone now. Oh, I hope so. There's nothing we can do with the Q-Zone. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I- I'll miss it in the sense that I'll miss it as a representation of yes. the golden age of the comic, but... Uh, 
for us? Uh, for us, uh, it, it's the thing we have to figure out a funny segue out of into the diaries. Of. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, I feel like there there must there must have been some good jokes come off the back of a Q zone at some point. Oh in the yeah, past. oh yeah. I can't think right. of a single one. Write in with your favorites. <laughs> <laughs> now, as for the Sonic Two re-release, that suggests that if they're now finally properly re-releasing it, then that suggests that isn't why. It kept floating in and out of the charts all this time. It must just be an organic fave. What it truly horrified me to realise, of course, is not so much that the idea of re-releasing Sonic 2, because Sonic 2 is Sonic 2. It's were several di- It was the realisation that Sonic and Knuckles is just shy of two years old. Oh, flipping heck. Uh, it's 1996, Steve. Sonic! Bubble Trouble, written by Lou Stringer, art by Roberto Corona. Corona. Colors by John M. Burns and letters by Ellie DeVille. Reviewing footage of past battles, Dr. Robotnik realizes that Sonic can't swim, and immediately has Grimer invent a way to exploit this weakness. A few days later, Sonic and Tails are lured to the Labyrinth Zone, where an attack by flame-spewing spider badniks knocks Sonic into the water. Trying his usual trick of gulping air out of a bubble, Sonic finds himself trapped inside the bubble, made of a super durable plastic that begins constricting around him. But it's no sweat for the cool blue one, who uses a few pieces of badnik debris as makeshift pickaxes to climb up the ruins and out of the water, where the spider badnik's flame breath winds up melting the plastic right off him, allowing him to bash them to bits and chalk up another win. This is the kind of perfectly serviceable tosh I get a kick out of. Ah, yes, I think, yes. What this strip is, and when I say this, this is a good thing that I like. Mm -hmm. I think other people might be able to say the same thing and mean it in a bad way. It feels like it could have been Lou's audition piece for writing Sonic strips. Yeah, sure. Because it's an old-fashioned, like-from-the-games story. That's what makes it good. You know, the throwaway nature of it, neither here nor Mm -hmm. there, it's based on a thing <laughs> from the games. Add that to your McFeely soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is he's taken a concept from the games and he's just just one little detail, just like, yeah, when you're underwater, Sonic whoop whoop gets water out of the sea. Sonic sucks bubbles. How could I make a story out of that? He's spun out a little story just from that and thrown into that general fighting against badniks. Now I know the idea that Sonic can't swim is yep. definitely true now. Hmm. Was it true then? Well, right. What they're talking about, I think when most people talk about this, is that in the Mario games up to that time, the 2D Mario games, when you get in water, first thing you do, you're doing a little swim. In Sonic, you just walk normally. So I'm guessing that's what everybody means. It's like... No, no. Like, canonically, the character Sonic the Hedgehog can't swim. Like, I know that that to be true in the lore of Sonic now. Right, but that's got to be where it comes from, isn't it? Oh, sure, sure. But was that a trait of Sonic's back then? Is Liv Stringer working off of that being a known mm, fact yeah. at the time? Or has he concluded that from playing the game himself? Mm, don't know. I quite admire the way Sonic, who can drown, we know that much, is wandering around under the water going, Oh, 
Uh, better fight these bad names. Oh, I better go and get some oxygen. Oh, I'm in a, I'm in <laughs> yeah. a bubble. Hopefully, I can get out of it. Like he's not that bothered. He knows everything will be fine. No, he's cool. He's, he's cool. He's yeah, the cool blue one. You know, it's no pressure. He'll, he'll sort it out. He'll solve yeah. it. You know. And I think perhaps after the last several issues of sort of emotional turmoil for Sonic, it, it is nice to see him <laughs> be a cool dude again. Nice to get back to a Sonic One type setting yeah. where everything yeah. is nice and straightforward. It's nostalgic. Tails is with him, and it's just uh, well, straightforward. So a Sonic Two setting then. Well. <laughs> It's, it is a, it is. That's the thing. They say it's the labyrinth zone. Uh-huh. Looks more like the aquatic ruin zone to me. Yeah, it does a bit actually. I mean, yeah. it doesn't really look like either. No, of them, it's but. just whatever <laughs> Corona wanted to draw, isn't it? Like the labyrinth zone is entirely underground. Mm. By the way, I'm loving the artwork on this strip. Yeah, yeah, John M. Burns's colour is really working on Corona's life. Yeah, there are several points in the story where you get the sense that Corona still hasn't quite fully figured out how to draw certain angles of Sonic and Tails' face. Yeah. But that doesn't matter to me because of how nice it all looks and all the lovely scenery and stuff. I particularly love... It's such a little thing, but it's on the first page. And See those TV screens Robotnik is looking at? Look at the one in the top right. (laughs) <laughs> of Sonic just doing a little strutting along, along the, the water, ocean yeah. bed. <laughs> oh, and look, it kind of reads like a comic. Look, he splashes into the water, goes down, lands, struts along, trips over backwards, <laughs> does a little spin. That's nice. Um, now, my favourite uh, has to be the uh, first panel of page two, where it's Sonic and Tails are quite little back in the distance, and it's just you're mm. looking at this, I don't know, river or pond or something with a little bit of stone jutting out over it that they can jump onto a little well behind them or part of the foundations of whatever building they're standing on the ruins of. Um, and that actually is the panel. I think um, one of the early issues where Corona first came in, and I remember saying, oh, but Corona does get good at drawing this stuff because we didn't, you know, rate his art at first, I guess. Mm, yeah, he wasn't great on the first tales mm, and this that i believe is the panel that i'd most recently seen that i was thinking of ah it is a lovely one all right mm. look at those nice little reflections in the water and everything yeah exactly yeah. that's the kind of shades of casanova's vistas yes. nobody's as good as casanova's well, the old vistas true, but yeah. but uh, the color is doing a lot of lifting as well it really is nice and comfortable and comforting how the art has sort of evened out now in STC. Like That's it, yeah. It's always fine now. There used to be some really bad artists. In- <laughs> well, it's been a long time since there was a genuinely bad one. Yeah, and, and even some of the people who were responsible for some of the bad ones are now quite good at yeah. it. And I, I look forward to seeing them now. Well, yeah, we were saying something similar with... Um... Mike Hadley's work on that issue of Tales with Max Gamble yes. and Mark and Sparks, you know, yes, felt a bit exactly. uh, old schooly, felt yeah. a little bit out of place, you know. But yeah. we got a little more Mike Hadley in this issue, and there's some stuff I want to talk about there, so we'll save that for when it comes. I like uh, uh, Stringer continuing to put uh, respect on Tails's name, even now in the Sonic strip, uh-huh. when he's uh, with Sonic, because Sonic falls in the water and has to deal with being trapped in this plastic bubble. And that leaves Tails to fight these badniks up on the surface, and he's like, I may be outnumbered, but I won't give up well i can still use my fists so tails is just out there like yeah knuckle sandwiching everybody <laughs> yeah have we said that it's not just that he's trapped in this bubble it's that he can't suck air through it so the only air he's got is what's in the bubble which is shrink wrapping around him every time he breathes in that's oh what a harrowing concept that is that is a oh that is in fact a way you can die yes if you have strong enough plastic wrapped around you that is nasty. Not Ugh. even underwater. Not even underwater. And it's such a, I think that one's such a horror because... I feel, I'm sure I've seen it in a horror film or something that's happening somewhere. Because it's such a thin film. Do you know what I mean? There's such a thin space between you and air. Um, first panel of the entire strip. 
first speech balloon. <laughs> do, do, Lou's got to know, right? It is Robotnik. Oh yes, that's absolutely got to be a reference. It's Robotnik. It's a. Cl- it's a. It's such a close-up on Robotnik that actually you can only see his eyes and the top of his head and his finger pointing and he is shouting. I hate that hedgehog. And that's the whole intro to this strip, which again. That fed into my feeling that this could be an audition piece. Like, if this had been the first Lou Stringer strip, we'd have gone, yep, that's a good, I can see why yeah, he, he wrote this. He watched the cartoon to get a bit of ref there. He watched the cartoon, yeah. he played a, one of, at least one of the games, and he wrote a strip based on all of that. And it's, it's fascinating to see that, like, Lou knows this deep in, that, yeah, there's something to Sonic, and it is worth writing basic Sonic stories that just go like, you know, Sonic... This. A bit of that. Yeah. Though, it's funny that, you know, I hadn't really thought about it, but I suppose there is every possibility this could be an older story that they've rolled out. Uh, yeah. Because, um, I mean, one of the things that really surprised me is next issue, it's, uh, it advertises Heroes and Villains, uh-huh. which is the direct continuation of mm. the Supersonic story where we left it off last issue. I yeah. I didn't realize it went back to it that quickly. No, I thought, me neither. I thought we let that stew for a little while before we returned to it. So the fact that this story is missing many of the traits of recent Stringer stories as well. You know, where where are Johnny and Amy in this one? It's the uh, Stringer yeah. stories about Sonic have been about Sonic, Johnny and Amy for so long now. Not yeah. Sonic and Tails, you know? He's right, he's busy giving Tails the spotlight so much so that he wouldn't need to write Sonic stories with him. Do you know what? That's another aspect I hadn't even thought of. This is a Sonic and Tails and nobody else mm-hmm. story, which feels old school and, and pleasant. Yeah, always contributes to that sort of feeling. Hmm. So there's every chance it could be an older one that they've just ruled out to pad out <laughs> a little bit, but done well, you know, in such a way that it doesn't feel incongruous no. or anachronous. You know? No, it feels great. This is a good one. Yeah, just a good little fun, simple, straightforward story where Sonic goes underwater and they do the bubble thing and then there's some robots and he beats the robots and it goes boom and it goes, ha way past cool. And it's over. <laughs> what does he do to the last robot? I'm really not sure. Oh, is he swinging one into another one? Uh, yeah, he grabs the one that's uh, on the ground uh. and then swings it up to meet the other one that's swinging down towards him. I wasn't sure. They're these spider badniks that are uh, an original design, and they, uh, well, they 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 attack them by coming down like that, don't they? they yeah, they... Uh, oh, that's what happens. One of them th- webs itself to an overhanging structure and swings towards Sonic, and that's what knocks him into the water. So then at the end of the strip, another one, or maybe the same one, who knows, tries the tactic again, and Sonic counters it by simply grabbing one of the other badniks and swinging it up and colliding with the, the guy coming down at him in mid-swing. What a good original design of a spider badnik it is. It, it really, yes, it's not bad. It really fits in with badniks. Like, if this, if I found out this actually is from Sonic CD or Chaotix or something, I'd be like, oh, <laughs> right, yeah. I don't think it is, but do you know what I mean? No, but it's got, like, a, a design that's vaguely like a bumper on yeah. its back. It's the right, right colours. colours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're spiders, but then they also shoot fire. Mm. So we would call them... <laughs> what would we call them? Let's oh, call them... Friders? That's not great. <laughs> you can if you like. Um, not great. Um... It only it only needs to trip off the tongue, really, because some of the bad nicknames are really weird. Um, Spindle Fry. Oh, that, that that's quite good. Nicely, I like it? that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not actually spider necessarily, but everyone knows what you mean when you say spindle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so the spindle. So he grabs one spindle fry and he breaks another one with it, and we'll never see him again. So well, you don't know that. <laughs> Corona might roll them out randomly that's at some true. point in the background in the future. Who knows? 
And uh, another one of those little endings uh, put me in mind of the uh, hidden danger two-parter. Do you yeah. remember when Robotnik was like, yeah, well, we lost. No big deal. Grimer, make more. I made the planes invisible. Didn't you? And, and I was wondering where it was going to go because it's back at Citadel, Robotnik. Eh, they appear to have won again, sir. Bah! They may have won this escapade, Grimer, but they've spurred me on to make future traps even nastier. <laughs> Never the end, says the yes, dramatic caption. Good. That is the kind of drop it in anywhere kind of story with a little <laughs> ending like that yeah. and Robotnik vowing that the fight goes on and yeah. Yeah, so something about how simple and ordinary this is, to me makes it feel appropriately summary because it's a bit like a good summer special episode summer special, isn't it? Yeah. here we are we're in it's, it's warm we're on holiday probably let's read a little story about sonic and tails and some bad nicks just have a little so don't don't stress yeah don't get too overexcited just remain calm <laughs> listen your parents have had to put up with a lot it's the end of july now <laughs> they've had to stick you for a month this issue is just like no just take it easy just it's nothing nothing to get you too worked up it's all right don't just sit down sit down just sit down and have a glass of water for god's sake just noticed that bit there where Sonic's actually climbing up the wall using bits of spikes. Um, yeah, because well, we, we didn't explain it out clearly, but it's like when he falls in the water, there are two spiker badniks in addition to the web badniks mm. that have knocked the spindle fries that have knocked him in the water. And he, he bops <laughs> one of them and then he needs to run off and get the bubble. Uh, and it's the spikes from this destroyed spiker that he uses to climb his way up the ruined walls. And as he does it, he says, it's not just Knuckles who can climb walls. You know, like Knuckles Doors <laughs> in, in the, the games. games. <laughs> it's all it's literally it's literally all I want in life. I just want a little of this. It's a nice glass of water and a little bit of people telling me things that I already know from Sonic Games. <laughs> My ideal July afternoon. <laughs> oh, and speaking of just telling me stuff about Sonic games I already know, it's time for the <laughs> Refusal! Sega know they can't keep good games down, which is why they've re-released a couple of cool classic games. Whether you're just out of nappies or reaching your teens and beyond, these Mega Drive games are still a joy to play. Alright, like, calm down. It's only been four years. Oh my god, it's been four years since Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> 2 that actually is old enough to basically go from being just out of nappies into just starting your teens. <laughs> I'm actually surprised it's only... Has it only been four years? 92, oh, yes. right? Yeah, 92, 96, and then... so. God, what what an age we were that 1992 to 6 was as long as it was, but it was four years. I know, it's it's a weird time spiral. I lived life upon life. Like, I've lived so many lives in that time. It's genuinely really weird that that's four years. I've never, I've never had to think about that before. 19 Sonic 2 to 1996 was four years. God! I mean, what was four years ago right now? I know, that's what I'm thinking of! 2018. This! Same as, same! Same as this! Well, we hadn't started this show yet. Only just. We were thinking about it. Only just, yeah. It was about six months before. (laughs) It's literally, yeah, about six months before we started recording, so yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh no, that was the context I needed to make it hit. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) What hits me the hardest about that is, frankly, the fact that apparently Sonic and Knuckles came out, like, two years after Sonic 2? Like, what? I mean, yeah, there was... yeah. What? (laughs) Really? Sonic and Knuckles? Well, that's how quickly sequels came out after things. Sonic and Knuckles? 
<laughs> God, that's weird. It wasn't like two years, but really nearly three years. It was like, no, it was almost literally exactly God. two years, right? I hadn't even thought Sonic of that. Sonic 2 that's... came out in November of 92. That's worse. Yeah, Sonic 2 was almost 1993. Oh, yeah. God. Sonic 3 was, was early 94, so it was really only a year and a bit after Sonic 2. Flipping heck. Anything to read here? Uh, read? That would require my ability to process time to still be operating properly. <laughs> you've <laughs> you've successfully sundered it so, in a I way that what, the comic had not achieved on its own. <laughs> what, I can't, what I can't help but think here is that what's actually happening is that Sega are just clearing out the cartridge factories. Do you know what I mean? It, they're Maybe. winding down the Mega Drive. We're, we're now, it's Saturn now, they think, and they're yeah, winding the Mega the Drive fools. down. fools. They'll have a load of stock still remaining, and they're like, right, drop the price, call it a get re-release, get them sold. Sonic & Knuckles, uh, described here in, in an odd way, Sonic & Knuckles was the first game of its type to have a top slot, allowing previous titles in the series to be backwardly compatible. Well, I can't argue with that exactly as a factual statement. It's just that there weren't any others at all. Well, they didn't know that yet. So True. I think it was still fair to say at the time that it was the first of its type, on the assumption there might be more. I think what he's supposed to be saying is that it's the first game to have a top slot. Yeah. Because it yeah. is, right? I mean, there wasn't anything yes. else that did that before, no. right? Or since. I don't think they ever used it again. No, because it was a very silly thing. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Isn't it interesting how it actually existed... Literally because one game had been secretly released as two cartridges that they needed a way to connect them together. In the same way as, like, if, you know, the equivalent of Pokemon Link cables or whatever. Like, you are supposed yeah. to connect these games together. And the equivalent of DLC back in the yeah. day, I suppose, really, wasn't it? Yeah. And yet, we were all marketed into believing that this was the exciting new Mega Drive technology that, you know, it, now the Mega Drive had the SNES. Don't get this on the SNES. No, no, <laughs> who knows what future games are going to have this tech? And it's like, yeah, none. I suppose, I don't remember necessarily thinking it. I might have thought it. But I suppose the mind of a child would look at their mm -hmm. Sonic and Knuckles poking out of the top of their Mega Drive mm -hmm. and then plugging something into the top of that as being the spiritual predecessor of, or akin to, the 32X, yes. where you plug the thing into the top of yeah. your Mega Drive and then plug the cartridge into the top of the thing that goes in the top of your Mega Drive. Yeah. I don't know that they were necessarily intending that, but you could definitely see how someone might draw that conclusion. Mm -hmm. Because the only way to make the Mega Drive better, that little box was truly a like a little concentrated black rectangle of power. You had now experienced all it could achieve alone, and the only way to make it more powerful was to <laughs> slam something else in there first. Isn't it odd that I'm fairly sure cartridge sizes would have allowed for when they did re-release these games to pop Sonic 3 and Knuckles as a single game on a cartridge and pop that out mm, there. Maybe. As a call it collection if you will, but like I feel like they could have done it and gone, here you go, we, we, there's the, the special version of the game, the real version of the <laughs> and they and they're only doing that now it's, it's about to come out for the yeah, first yeah, time yeah sonic origins you can't play them separately can you it's, is that it's, true i don't know i don't i'm not sure i but the way they talk about it it's the the menu screens we've seen mm. and everything there there it's as if they're saying you'll all know by the time this episode comes out obviously so we'll not yeah we'll not spend time agonizing over it but yeah certainly sounds like uh you're only able to play it as sonic 3 and knuckles you know those mm. are the separate games 
Uh, I think this review is largely, at least portions of it are just reprinted from the original Sonic and Knuckles review, <laughs> though, because remember really? that, because it makes this reference to the much-criticized F-RAM yes! save facility from Sonic 3 that was in the original review, and we were like, was it much-criticized? Yes! Uh, my note on that is... Gibbon's still on at this. But yeah. yes, that could just be reprinted. I never thought of that. I think he's just repurposed it from the review, yeah. Okay, well, is this in the original version then? Quote, By placing Sonic 3 into Sonic and Knuckles, comma, allows you to be Knuckles in the game. Semicolon. Thus. You can't semicolon thus me out of noticing that you've butchered the language already with by placing Sonic 3 into Sonic and Knuckles allows you. That's not right. Comma allows you. Comma allows you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody cared. Nobody nah. cared at this point in the reviews, and if this is what they were filling the reviews on. You can tell that from the top right-hand corner screenshot. Look at that! Dog crap! That's photographed from the other side of a flipping trade show or something. Well, I, no, I think probably more like what's happened <laughs> is it was a proper screenshot like the other ones, and they just cropped and zoomed in on it. Well, they've zoomed a long way on, and it's very, very blurry and smudgy. It is. But look at these ones for Sonic 2. Like, yeah. these must be pulled out of the archives. These are yeah. back from the days when they were literally taking photographs of their TV screens. Now yeah, they've got CRT bulge. And the one of the Metropolis zone in the bottom left there, like, it's not even <laughs> level. No, it's it's at a big angle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, but, but it looks much better. Whatever they were doing then, they should have carried on doing. That's true, actually. <laughs> it's <laughs> sharper. It's much sharper. Yeah. By miles. As a review, it's just, it's not at all. You know, Raves, this is for Sonic 2, Raves, mm -hmm. one of Sonic's all-time best. Graves, not much point buying if you've already got it. So the Graves are that it's a re-release. Like, that's yeah. what's bad about it, is that it's a re-release. Yeah. That's a, no, I'm missing the point. It's Graves. Let's face it, if you're reading this, you've probably got Sonic 2, haven't you? Come on. <laughs> um, I do like the, the Raves and Graves on Sonic and Knuckles, though. Raves, excellent value for money, quite right. Mm, that's because it's 20 quid for Sonic 2, 25 quid for Sonic and Knuckles. Mm, that is good value for excellent money. Excellent value for money. Graves, you'll be left eating cold dinners for weeks. That sounds familiar. That must have been on the original review. Do you think so? cold dinners or something similar could be responsible for dinners going cold definitely they've definitely used that in a review before that listeners if you haven't figured it out is has got to be a reference to you know your dinner's going cold yeah, i'm just getting to the end of the level yeah yeah mum. you put it out 30 seconds ago it's not cold yet <laughs> i know how long it takes for food to get cold all right i'm a bit of bloody patience <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jeff, I have trouble with that now. Now, uh, now that I'm old, the time it takes food to get cold is roughly equal to the time it takes me to fiddle about in the kitchen, get it on a plate, and take it all the way to where I want to eat it. That is, it's truer <laughs> as you get older, certainly. See, no, but I've been reared by a mother who just needs food to be thermonuclear. Mm -hmm. It's like it's proper right out of the oven <laughs> onto the plate. No time to let the food rest and yep. settle, to let the casserole or the cottage pie or the lasagna hold its own shape. No, wham. Get it over there, it's getting cold. She's straight out of McDonald's, upends the coffee right on her head like a shower. <laughs> <laughs> You'll go out to dinner and every meal served everywhere is... It's a bit cold. Oh, I don't know if it's a post-COVID thing, I don't know if it's a delivery thing, but I can't remember the last time I had a warm takeaway delivered. I have to heat them up these days, didn't have to, used to. I don't generally have that problem, but I did last night. I had a kebab last night. Did indeed need to record it. <laughs> and then it's different. And what's the deal with things costing more than they used to, eh? And all these curse words young people use. Knuckles. Troubled Waters, part two. 
Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Nigel Dobbin, letters by Elita Fell. Knuckles' attacks can't put a dent in Captain Crab's octonaut warship, but the Echidna is able to defeat the Crustacean Corsair by getting <laughs> Nice. Uh, it was either that or the Brachioran Buccaneer, and I thought that I was pushing it a little bit with that Brachioran. one. <laughs> by getting him to unwittingly collapse the surrounding rock formations on top of himself. With the Octonaut disabled, the victorious Knuckles has Crab row him all the way back to land. I get the vibe. This is one of them stories that could have been done in one seven-pager, but not one five-pager, and thus had to be two five-pagers. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, like last episode, there isn't very much to say, because this no. is just a fight. It's just an action sequence. I, I almost wonder if this is part of like an experiment to see if Knuckles, being the punchy character, should be an action strip, or if it was just a one-time fancy, because this really is, you know... They're, there's dialogue, but it doesn't really need to be. It's just punching and no. jumping and being... Uh, so I think we said last time that he keeps getting into trouble and then getting out of trouble, and, and that's kind of, again, what yeah. happens here. He, uh, he swims down under the octonaut um, and tries to punch it. Let's see how early Sankatin floats with a couple of holes poked in it, and he tries to punch it. I like I like the... I know when he says a couple of holes poked in it, what he means is he's going to punch holes yes. in it. But the mental you imagine image you is of him using in. his yeah. knuckles yeah. to stab yeah. little holes. Two little holes that, that then let the water <laughs> yeah. in, yeah. But it's electrified, so it zaps him. And uh, the crab sees the steam rise from the water. And then was like, I bet that really puts Knuckles in a foul mood. Oh, yes, he's very cross now. As Knuckles launches out of the water at him, but then just gets swatted away by one of the tentacles. Then he tries climbing one of these... Uh, unstable-looking rock formations just to get out of his range. But he attacks the base of the rocks and knocks them over. And then simply what happens is the rocks domino over into one another. It's not even intentional. No. Knuckles just jumps from one to one as they domino around in a circle and then bonk, land on Captain Claw round at the other end. And that takes a page and a half to get those to domino all the way around. Well, it's not easy to draw and, and Dobbin has done it. Oh, God, yes. I mean, that's the thing, isn't yeah. it? Like, you'll forgive a five-page action sequence when it looks this yeah, good, won't you? Jesus! It's just a treat. It is a real treat to look at. Captain Claw, I think we said it last time, it is weird. He is just a crab in a hat. <laughs> but there's something about it that just kind of works. I don't like... Well, like, imagine trying to build a crab character in the Sonic Forces character created. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, I mean, what does that look like? It's got a little <laughs> muzzle and everything for some reason. A regular artist might want to try drawing a, a Sonic OC that's a crab. What does a Sonic OC crab look like? Huh. Hint, hint. Hint, hint. <laughs> Drawing prompt. Speaking of uh, good art, though, do you see the trouble they've had with the actual um, the logo pane? Oh, that is rough going, mm. isn't it? What they seem to have done is that they've left transparency on, and when they made it, they forgot to fill in white where they wanted. So, so Knuckles' eye is transparent. Yes, you can see rock through it. That is what's going on there, isn't it? The border around him is the same, and then all of the highlighted shaded bits on the Knuckles logo itself, are, are transparent, so you can see the art yeah. through it. But also, something's wrong with them. They're kind of blobby and wrong. Look at the sea. It's all over the place. Not the ocean, the letter C. Yeah. That you can see the sea through. <laughs> Before I looked closely, I didn't even notice that. What I thought you were referring to was simply the placement of the box. Oh. Because obviously, the point of this oh panel... Oh, God! 
is to illustrate that they are surrounded by a perfect ring of these rock formations. Yeah. And they've put the title panel over the bottom half of the panel that yeah. obscures half of the rocks. It was obviously supposed to go up on the splash panel yeah. that takes up the full top half of the first page. Where there's plenty of room. But there's not a... There's, it's just... Mm. If you move that speech bubble of Knuckles's over to the bottom right... Yeah. You could get it just there, and it'd be just all right. Yes. Yeah, that was what I noticed about it. It was that 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 the function, and it's so clearly like in the script. Mm. We don't even have to look up the script no. to know. Definitely, the script stipulation for the fourth panel of page one was to illustrate that they're surrounded by a ring of rock columns. Because on the last page, you're going to get the same shot from above, <laughs> and they've all fallen down into each other. All the rocks collapsed. Yeah, and yep. I, and I I did. did Dobbin's done a fantastic job of drawing it. Dobbin do? Yeah, but I did when I got... They do, though, don't he? Dobbin do what Dobbin does. <laughs> but when I got to that picture, I did have to go like, oh, are they all fallen over? And go back to find a picture of them standing up, which was that one. And yes, had that not been covered up, I don't think I would have needed to go back and check. Mm, yes, oh well. These things happen, don't they? And it is all played as a bit of a har-har at the end. You have defeated me, Knuckles! Yeah, the only trouble is people won't believe me because what's happened is such a silly thing in that all these rocks have accidentally dominoed over on top of one another. And then it's like, oh no, what happened to the chest? Oh, there it is. It's like, yeah, okay, I don't know, we got nothing else. We got to fill out the two extra panels on this page here. Where's the chest? It's right there. Oh, oh good. All right. Good. Yes, Grand. but I'm glad he's got his chest. I was, I was ever so worried about that last episode. Will you get it, Home Knuckles? Stop mucking about and go home with your chest or read it now. I'm getting nervous. Next issue, Village of the Damned. Oh. I presume it's still going to be part of the Head and Home story. Yeah. Which is good. I mean, I like it. I like that... Knuckle, there's got to be a point, surely, mm -hmm. at which the knuckle strips stop being this wonderful, interconnected, ongoing subplot arc, mm -hmm. threading them all together, and just become what if Knuckles punched a, a, a cow? This issue. <laughs> <laughs> what if Knuckles punched a cow? And then next issue, what if Knuckles punched a goat? And so on and so forth. You know, he worked his way through the whole farmyard. Um, <laughs> oh, but unfortunately, you're so used to Knuckles that you've already got it into an interconnected story of him working his way through a farmyard. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, my point was, I'm not in any hurry to get there because I love no, it. I, I yeah. just love that that's the attention to detail Kitching went for with this. Graphic Zone! Olympic zone. Olympic zone. Yeah, no pushing it on any of these ones. That, uh, well, maybe the first one, sort of, a little bit. Craig uh, Wickinson from Diffid. Diffid? Diffid sound good uh, to you? Dovehead. Dovehead. Yes, from South Wales. It's Tails in a martial arts gi, but he's also wearing sunglasses. Oh, it's been ages since you've been able to say martial arts gi, isn't it? <laughs> Do I, is, that, is that one of my... Did we throw that one on the signboard? <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just you're the only person I heard. I had to look up what a gee was because I think it was kind of cheese and uh, but <laughs> but in the old days what was Shinobi you were saying martial arts gee all the time yeah, yeah we haven't had it in well, ages there you go. <laughs> uh, and the caption says says who is the mystery martial arts expert because of the sunglasses oh yeah he is looking pretty cool look at the finger gun he's giving it yeah <laughs> but um, <laughs> the whole thing looks like it's got a big coffee stain on it. <laughs> 
It does, actually, yes. Yeah. I had to make sure that wasn't my copy of the comic. No, it's, that's really there. But it's so big that it implies it could be like Craig wanted to draw inside some kind of backdrop and just coloured a big circle in. But I would have thought it might be something on the other side of the paper that's <laughs> shining through. Either way, it's coloured right over the, the white bits of the tail picture, which is mm. most of them. So, like, yeah, it's uh, it does look a bit like a stain. Sorry, Greg. Maybe he's or maybe he'd seen some heartbeat or whatever and has gone, hmm, when something goes wrong with the paper... In Incorporate it. Here's a, I've got a piece of paper here with a big coffee stain on it. I'm going to make it the backdrop to a picture. It's to my eternal, unending shame that when you said heartbeat, the first thing <laughs> I thought of was the ITV police show. Oh, dear. That is really bad, and it's oh. almost enough to give you cause to replace me on this show, and you'd be right to do it. <laughs> A brief moment of like, wait, why is he talking about watching that to get art tips? Mm. To the right of it now, mm -hmm. Angela Formby from Gwynedd in Wales. Gwynedd. Gwynedd. Has drawn a very malformed Knuckles. Knuckles has had a twisting up problem in this picture, and, and at least we can see like what's happened here. He's got all twisted up on the twisty equipment. Now that imposes a narrative upon this that I do not perceive to be intentional. No, I don't, I don't know what's happened. Uh, so what it is, is that it's Knuckles on one of those keep fit and acrobatics things where you yeah, you kind the, of um, hang down from the two hanging rings. The two rings, yeah. And you twist around in doing the gymnastics. So he's got his, he's got his feet pointing up to one side and he's got a gymnastic costume on and I'm guessing that uh, Angela here was looking at a picture of a gymnast doing this, or had seen mm, it happen. Mm. But for some reason, there's a great big twisty knot. It's like that Mickey and Donald thing where they're magicians and they're, they're twisting each other up. <laughs> you know, death becomes her, where her head's been twisted round backwards. There's a big twist in his neck. Yeah. Punctuated then by the googly eyes looking off in two different directions, and the dreads that are sort of shooting out... <laughs> <laughs> the back of his head like sonic spikes instead of hanging down and the unfortunate incident where a thumb has been moved across the open mouth and smeared the black pen across his face <laughs> presumably that is what has happened there it's it's unsettling to look at. it's a bit sloth from the goonies i gotta be honest with you that's the the knuckles head part is the problem the the body not a problem yeah not a good job there. on the body yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, sorry, Angelo. I feel like being a bit harsh on this, but uh, but he's got. Uh, tell us what was going on with that big lump in his neck. <laughs> it's like what it's like is that she'd copied Knuckles' head from a picture in which his body is meant to be like off there, mm. and then drawn another body, drawn a neck coming off under that, and not quite understood <laughs> Maybe, how it yeah. connects together. Oh well. Jonathan Chapman in Hewith York uh, is just Sonic as a footballer. You've missed the European Championship, Sonic, says the caption. Yep. But that's what it is. It's just Sonic. Um, pretty sure that's copied from something. It's too good. <laughs> Next one, the Marathon Man is uh, Robotnik doing running a running a doing a run. I like it whenever they do these ones with Robotnik <laughs> because they always make him look so distressed. Yes, to be partaking in physical exercise. Yes, he's got his full I hate that hedgehog spluttery face on with all sweat coming out. Yeah, sweat flying everywhere. But it doesn't come across any time they do this. It doesn't usually come across as him angrily shouting in a Robotnik way. It does make him look like he's just like ah, I've got to run. <laughs> This flipping race for some reason. 
exercise effort. Ah. Yeah. Oh, well, that'll be part of it, won't it? Yeah, because he's fat. <laughs> so he doesn't yes, exercise. Um, that's that's <laughs> what I was saying. Yeah. Didn't even think of that. Your more enlightened mind did not, uh, <laughs> didn't put two and two did together. Not leap to that unfortunate conclusion ahead of time. Well, my more enlightened mind. I'm just like, yeah, no, that's how I feel about exercise. So therefore, <laughs> <laughs> that's how anybody would. That was Glenn Dickinson of Crew in Cheshire. And uh, Benjamin Cook in Saltford in Bristol has done Sonic as a hockey player. Jolly hockey stick, says the caption. And it's um, it's another one of those unsettling, like they've drawn a body and then it's got Sonic's yes. head on it. Yes, it's yeah. like a normal hockey player with a Sonic costume on, but a very rudimentary one consisting mostly of a head. Hmm. I'd be willing to bet Benjamin, if he doesn't play hockey, mm-hmm. the precise use of padding here and everything, and then, yeah, this looks like somebody who knows what's what about hockey. That's why the body looks so yeah, human. that's why the body it... is the way it is, because he knows what the padding's yeah. supposed to be, so he needs to make the limbs the shape and size they need to be to get the padding on. Yeah, there has to be a long sock, and there has to be a knee pad, and there has to be arm pads. Uh, and then on his tummy, he's got a square thing that says the hedgehog and a little logo of the hedgehog. I wonder if that's a hockey reference that Benjamin knew about. Is there was there somebody who's who wore a thing like the mm. some other animal? Oh wait, he- sorry, beg pardon. It's hedgehogs. It's his team. I didn't see the S. Oh, oh yeah, sorry. That does make much in. more sense, doesn't it? Yeah. I didn't see the S either. <laughs> yeah. Chris Ashman from Stoke-on-Trent, Staffordshire, has done a very nice one mm-hmm. below that, though. The Atlanta Zone Olympics, and it's mighty throwing a javelin. Yeah. But he's done a, a, a very nice big shot of a stadium behind yeah. them with the people holding up signs for Mighty and Sonic and everything. And I think he's, I think he's definitely copied some Richard Elson artwork here because... He's El- well, Mighty's Elson posing, it's what happened. You know, he's <laughs> flinging the, the javelin forward with one, but then he's got a big, balled-up fist behind him. And something about the lines on his crinkled-up eyelids, you know? Mm-hmm. But what Chris yeah. has done is, is he's reached the inevitable point when you're trying to draw something. Because you don't plan ahead, really, when you're a kid. And he's reached the inevitable point where he's like, oh, no, I've got to draw this stadium full of little people. And he's gone through with it. He's drawn yeah, them all, yeah. millions and millions of little tiny balls, some of them coloured different colours just for variety. Well, I mean, we, we should be clear, he's just drawn circles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heads. Just little To circle. represent the heads of the people in but the But still, audience. the effort that, that He's coloured them all, yeah, that's well done, yeah. And, and what he, now, I don't know if he would have done this anyway, but it's a good way to save yourself some of that work, is that they're doing that thing where they're all, like, holding up a massive picture of, there's Mighty, and it says Mighty, or Sonic's head, it says Go Sonic. They've arranged themselves a massive sheet yeah. to support the team with. That's the thing sport fans do, isn't it? They do that. Jennifer Spreadbury from Cranley. Cranley? Cranley? What do you think? I think Cranley, sorry. Mega Drive 2 owner. Has done Amy getting ready to throw a shot put. Yeah. Not a shot put. Uh, what do you call it? A hammer. Hammer throw. Ah. Because it's Amy in, well, I guess it's Atlantic. Where? She's in a t-shirt and shorts and boots. Would you think that was like a tooth guard she's got in her mouth? Uh, she's got an interesting blue border around her mouth. Because if not, it's elaborate lipstick. Yeah, blue lipstick, yeah. yeah. Not shaped like lips either. Just, just no, like a just, smiley mouth. Well, drawn around her sonic mouth, isn't it? You know? Yeah, but I feel like, you know, when you're a kid and you're drawing lipstick, you put the two little points at the top, don't you? I don't know, honestly. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. No, I think most kids just draw a red ring around the mouth. Well, amateurs. <laughs> no good. And dangling from her left hand is a blue chain with a with a shot put on the end of it. A hammer. Sure enough. Yeah, I'm right. Yes, it's definitely a hammer, right? Yeah, as in hammer no, throw. Yeah. As in hammer throw, not an Amy Rose hammer. No, that's a, <laughs> oh yes, of course. <laughs> uh, hammer throw means a very different thing to Amy these days. 
And lastly, a surprise one yep. by friend of the show, Jess Padkin, who has not has copied not Garfield copied. in any uh, appreciable way. Nope, not in any way at all. And this one says, put that shot down. Why is that? Uh, well, he's holding a big black ball, uh, which they are choosing to represent as being a shot put. I am going to absolutely scandalise you now, Chris. This scandalised me. I asked Jess, just to check... Is this not a Garfield? Is this your first not a Garfield? She says, yeah, it's not a Garfield. Chris. Oh my gosh. What? I, I, I could barely get the words out. I'm so angry that this has happened. I don't know if angry is the right word. I'm scandalised. She drew a Chaos Emerald. They scribbled over it to make it a shot put so it fit the theme of the graphic zone. Oh they my god. They scribbled. They coloured that in. This, this blows the whole thing open. The whole thing wide open is exactly what I was just thinking. <laughs> How many other pictures have they cocked around with? We don't know. Yeah. How many are they going to? How many have they already? To scribble on a child's drawing to fit. I mean, Well, they're not getting it back. They'll, well, and they'll have thought, well, it's not, it'll be nice for her to get it in print at all. But yeah. they <clears> scribble... <laughs> Did they scribble or did they... Do? Yeah, no, they've got a, a pen It looks or... like it's been scribbled over. Knuckles in Jess's drawing was holding up a Chaos Emerald. And they have coloured it in black to make it a shot put. And who knows how many times they've done that. All those times where how we've said... How deep does this go? Do you know all those times when we've said, oh, it looks as if their mum drew this bit, or it looks as if one kid drew that and, and, and maybe their sibling did this extra bit here. Have they been putting their little twirly swirlies in the background of stuff? <laughs> I doubt it though, in that case, but we'll never be able to trust the evidence of our eyes again. No! It was their final victory over us. <laughs> we loved Sonic the Comic. Just a madman. Just a pain Holidays just wouldn't be the same without... Oh, the Buster Holiday Special. Pictured here as a... Uh, they, they've done a trick look because it does go to a point at the spine but it's like slightly flapped open so it looks like a big fat book it looks like a big <laughs> book like a big like a like a generous even for an annual thickness of book and it makes it look very exciting full of summer fun you've got a picture of Buster yeah, we've talked about Buster so many times you oh, must yeah. know what Buster is listeners but it's one of those comics we had in Britain where it was gag comics to, the sort Lou Stringer does go and look at Lou Stringer's blog he posts uh, pages of this sort of thing and Buster the boy, the titular buster, is sitting in a bag tied to the back of a man's bike. I don't know if it's his dad or if it's a whoever it is. And he's furiously, frantically pedalling with steam coming out of every orifice and sweat and his tongue whipping off into the background with a mushroom growing off it because he's pedalling because he probably doesn't even realise he's got a human boy in his saddlebag that he's pedalling off to. It says Florida, USA. I can't quite get the story out of it. You know what? Has mm. Buster hidden himself in this bag so that he'll be taken to Florida? I think because so, yeah. that was the cool new American place we went on holidays yes. that we were just starting to learn about back then yes. in the 90s. I went to Florida in 97, you know, one oh. year after this. Yes, it didn't have its reputation as like a weird place for old Americans who are conservatives. It Not that we knew of, anyway. Not that, yeah, uh, no. Yeah. Here in the UK, it was Holiday Land because it had a Mickey Mouse in it. <laughs> 52 pages with everyone's favourite comic strips on sale now. Now, you must have heard this. Must have. I don't remember it, but I simply must have. The thing about Buster, the thing about all of these, is they blend into each other. Yes. They, they, you can never tell one from another. No specific memories 
it's just not possible to have formed any. I even feel like I recently saw Lou Stringer post about how by now, I want to say, by 1996, Buster had gone all reprint. Oh. I think he was the last one still being paid to do new strips in it, and then it went all reprint. But why would you waste time buying Busters? When you could be sent enough to complete your Monster Munch Tazo collection, Dave. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, oh, oh. This is another one of those toppy bottom pages. You didn't say yes. Top half yes. of the page ad for the Buster Holiday Special. Bottom half of the page is a coupon for you to send off to, funny phrasing on this, to complete yep. your Monster mm. Munch Tazo collection. It sounds more to me like this is where you just simply send off to buy Monster Munch Tazos from. Well, when they say complete, I, they surely, Tazos, they came in bags of crisps, so they'll have been in the Monster well, Munch. they did, but they were all Looney Tunes ones. That's what I thought. But these being Monster Munch, it makes sense, doesn't it, that Monster Munch would have Monster Munch monsters on the Tazos in Monster Munch. But it seems like an, an extravagance to go to in terms of production to put one particular... Maybe they started giving these away in all of them. I, I don't remember. I don't remember these. The website Milk Cap Mania claims that they were given away in packets of Monster Munch, but it's never clear on the internet what they're going by, is it? Whether they're just guessing. One pound for five Tazos. Including postage and packaging. Yeah, and you get to pick. There's a full... Mm-hmm. You, every single Monster Munch Tazo is displayed here from 1 to 30, and you get to circle the ones that you want. You could just order all of them if you wanted. Yeah, you just circle them all. As long as you give them enough money, they'll send them all back. Yeah. That's a complete collection. I feel like that that might do numbers on eBay. Should we fill this in? Send it off? Yeah. Get uh, the full collection get it in now. there. Uh, just make sure you get it there before the 31st of December, 26 years ago. I'll, t- I'll do that. But an interesting thing to note here is that these are not the classic Monster Munch monsters that you would want <sighs> no, Tazos off. No, that's the thing. I mean, they are and they aren't in that they're just bad versions of them, you know? Yeah, sort of. Certainly the, certainly the big the pink, pink one, one with the yeah. mouth. The roast beef monster, as we all know. <laughs> like. So what has happened here is that Monster Munch incorrectly chose to update their designs for this brief period. I think they put them back shortly afterwards. Yeah, I think this was because they were doing claymation adverts around the time. That's absolutely right. And, and claymation is the word. Like, not only are they done in stop-frame animation, but they have the look of... The trademarked claymation. That th- something about the eyebrows warping around two ball eyes really give it that that look that that particular brand had. Because claymation was a. In fact, this is interesting. Claymation. We use it to mean stop motion animation using plasticine or clay, but that's not accurate. It was a trademark. Was it? Yeah, by a particular animator who started a particular studio, and that studio still exists today under the new name of Leica. So they're the ones making Paranorman and stuff like that. I didn't know that. No, I only found this out because uh, when me and Jahan were watching through lots of animated films years ago, we, uh, we popped on the California Raisins, all the ones we could get. Did you feel that was a, a good endeavour? Did you feel that was a worthwhile endeavour? No, it was. No, they're good. To learn that, yes. No, no, they're good. The proper California raisins, like the actual claymation half-hour things that that guy did, they're good. They are (laughs) actually good and worth watching, yeah. Because they're like parodies of a Motown group rising to stardom half-hour documentary. They're good. Unlike these Tazos, which are (laughs) two or one just tosh. I mean, they're Tazos anyway, so you know they're just the poor man's rubbish anyway. Exactly, and they are attempts to... Valiant attempts, not terrible attempts to draw 
claymation characters. So Ooh. that's not that's never going to be good. You know, someone really good can draw Wallace and Gromit. It's not what you're looking for out of Wallace and Gromit. Oh god, no. It's like when they do those CGI things in the Ardman style. And I'm like, there's no need for that. They don't have to look like that now. The only reason his mouth does that in claymation is so they can get all the bits in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I have this underlying theory that it's partly psychological as well because if you've ever seen Nick Park talking his mouth looks like that and does that <laughs> he looks like a nick park character i haven't but now i'm gonna go and look him up after we're done <laughs> there's no point describing any of them there's one where it's playing a saxophone there's one where one's playing yeah. a guitar there's one where one's on a unicycle oh uh, the saxophone one's gross because it's a character whose entire face shape is determined by its open mouth and the rest of the face is like the border around that mouth so to have him play a saxophone they've kept the shape of an open <laughs> mouth but closed it and it, it looks like it just looks like he's got a massive bone stuffed in his face Ugh. there's one where one's sick in a bed there's one where one's listening to a big old ghetto blaster there's mm. it, it, it's, it's pish it's all pish tazo is a trademark of pepsi co ink it says here of course yeah mm. tazos <laughs> <laughs> Tales. Mystery Villain. Written by Lou Stringer, with art by Mike Hadley, colours by Steve White, and letters by Tom Frame. While passing through the... Grim Zone... Eh? Eh? Mm-hmm. Hint? Hint? Tails is attacked by a large, unfamiliar badnik that demands revenge against the Freedom Fighters. Realizing that whoever's inside the robot must be an old enemy, Tails tricks the badnik into collapsing a factory chimney on top of itself, smashing it open to reveal its occupant, the former shapeshifter Metamorphia, uh. who Robotnik had turned into a badnik after her last defeat. The heartbroken Metamorphia finally renounces Robotnik, whereupon her shape-shifting powers return for one final change, turning her into a cute little bear, finally free of Robotnik's influence and able to start a new, peaceful life. Whoa! I did not see this coming! An ending to the Metamorphia stories. Stringer is just off the chain with this stuff right now. We've just <laughs> completed a met. We've just completed the Brutus saga. Yeah. Short Fuse obviously has a built-in endpoint to his story. We'll see if he reaches it in years to come. But yeah, each subsequent appearance of Metamorphia has. But we had her introductory two stories. Then we had the one that revealed she was like infatuated with Robotnik, like obsessed with serving him. Mm -hmm. Then we had the one where she fought Short Fuse and she failed, and he took her powers away. Every little thing has built something else yeah. upon the character, and here now is the end of Metamorphia, who yeah. gets to have a happy little ending. And yes. I just love it. I love it. Isn't it? What a wonderful way to cap... Like, we've been following these Metamorphian stories, remembering her as this villain that was oh. in STC. I think, certainly, I was surprised at how sympathetic she was a lot of the time and how yes. we were always being shown what she's sad about. And then she gets this happy ending. That, yeah. that whole little subplot where she was sad because Robotnik didn't care for her, that's fixed. She doesn't care about him anymore. He's, he's horrible, she's finally realised. And she gets to be happy. That, I didn't remember that. I didn't see it coming. No. To be fair, mm -hmm. as a five-page story, mm -hmm. clear your mind 
of of your previous experiences with Metamorphias, it's a pretty clumsy little story. Okay. And, and that's not even because it's the second strip in the story where the hero beats the villain by convincing them to collapse a big tall rock thing over on top of them. <laughs> but it's all quite perfunctory. You know, okay. she goes from saying, I failed again. I mean, listen, I mean, her dialogue is, I hate Robotnik now. He's cruel and mean. I'm never going to work for him again. You know, I am changing, but I lost my powers. You know, now you've changed your appearance. Robotnik will never, I feel, for, it's it's all very on the nose dialogue. Right. There's not a lot of connective tissue between what happens and the sentiments the character expresses, you know. Um, but when you sort of step back and start to unpack it a bit, like, so this Badnik, which is just a large armored robot figure, it's not anything we know, but it comes roaring. So anybody who knows the history of SDC will have concluded on the identity of the mystery villain pretty much off the first <laughs> panel, because it's set in the Grim Zone, which is Metamorphia's yeah. old home from her mm. first story. But she says that, sorry, the, the, the Badnik says, your fault, you and your friends made me what I am. And Tails is like, well, I think you'll find it was Robotnik. I can't do Tails' voice today. Sorry, folks, oh. with the old COVID throat. I think you'll find it was Robotnik <laughs> who turned you into a Badnik. Oh, Tails. <laughs> Oh, Tails You've been doing puberty. some growing up over the summer. <laughs> <laughs> Come back at the start of the new year, strapping young lad. <laughs> and and the, the badnik grabs Tails and says, No, Dr. Robotnik only did it to make me more efficient. Now I am powerful, able to destroy outlaws like you. And then we have this sort of chase fight where Tails gets her to collapse the thing on top of herself. And, and Now, White has unfortunately coloured her completely wrong. Go on. Well, she's grey instead of brown. Oh, you mean the reveal of Metamorphia? Yeah. So, Metamorphia herself, yes. So I thought you meant the robot suit for some reason there. Yeah. No, well, no, but that's the thing, because he's coloured Metamorphia in the colours of the robot once he's cracked yeah. open. Because it looks very much like the head's just been blown. A, a casual glance would maybe make you think that the head has just been knocked off the robot. That was exactly what I thought. But if you look closer, you'll see that's supposed to be Metamorphia's purple zip-up bodysuit. Oh. But... He's coloured it green and yellow like the robot armour, and Metamorphia has grey fur with a white muzzle instead of brown fur with a well, yellow muzzle. there must be something going on, because look at her arms and legs as she clambers up. They're, they're just pipes. She's, like, those are robot limbs. Well, yeah, but she always had kind of tubular legs. Did she? Oh, right. Yeah. Suppose she can have any legs she wants. Well, she, that's true, too. Yeah, that's 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 what her legs look like. No, but she's, she's still know. got bits of robot. Like, the, the collar around her neck is the large circular collar mm -hmm. that was around the robot's neck. But he's colored that wrong. Because, well, after the collapse, he's colored the broken collar that's still hanging around her neck as all yellow. Right. But if you look at the robot, it's supposed to be blue and white. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the colour is well off and kind of gets in the way of the reveal. But then, you know, once she's been knocked free, she she starts crying. I failed again. Dr. Robotnik will be so angry with me. Mm. I used to think Robotnik was wonderful, but the last time you guys won against me, it was short fuse, not the guys, but, you know, she just means the good guys. He took away my shape-shifting powers and turned me into a bad Nick to punish me. So what you have to step back and unpack here is really that yet another defeat has... She's having a, her, her emotional breakdown. She, whenever she was turned into a bunny, she actively was rationalizing it mm. as Robotnik trying to make her better than she was so that she could achieve the victory she's never been able to before. And it's only when she loses again that she breaks down in tears and finally accepts that he wasn't just trying to make her better. It was just something he did to her to get her out of the way and to get her out of his hair. Yeah. And then we get the I hate Robotnik now. He's cruel. I mean, and it, it feels a bit it, it feels a bit perfunctory and on the nose as dialogue goes. But when you step back 
and connect the dots in the story. I, it, it's great. And then it's magical thinking, obviously, the very end of the story, where he took her powers away, but, you know, they come back one last time, yeah. and she turns into the... It's a new life for Metamorphia. She gets mm. to go off and be be free. Now, obviously, there are some unfortunate connotations at play at the whole idea of physical beauty here, being a happy life and everything, where she well, turns from yeah. being her usual ugly self into a cute little thing. She can't live a happy life of being herself. She's got to turn into something cute and pretty to be, you know. And that's, but it was it was a kid's comic in the 90s. What are you going to do? You know, that, yeah. that, that, it doesn't surprise me. But I, I, I just, I'm sure I've seen a bunch of cartoons that ended like this, you know. I can see, I can see it in in motion in my eyes, you know, uh-huh. like like she's crying and and a tear pings, and yeah, it makes yeah. a little sparkle as it falls, and then she glows and changes one last time as the powers that were supposed to be gone come back one last time, and yeah, 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 like I I can really get on with this, yeah. And what she does by having that transformation is she's now anonymous, mm. so Robotnik won't be able to find her. Unless he looks at that little C, that little curl of hair. <laughs> like on Cosmic Yeah. <laughs> and of course, now that I look at this, I realise I've seen this picture of Metamorphia the Bear millions of times on the internet. Whenever you look up Metamorphia, that picture's there. Uh, and I just haven't put two and two together and realised that it means that she gets to turn back. Because she started as a little bear, but one with horrible eyes. It's similar to, but not exactly the same as, yeah, as the mm. bear she... Used as her disguised form back in her first appearance, yeah, because yeah. she had because she had those evil eyes then, and I yeah. I always took it to mean that that was like that was what she started out as, but no, she was already a shapeshifter then. Yeah, well, that's the question, but I mm. I always assumed Grimer had genetically engineered her. She was an artificial life form rather than being somebody who was experimented upon. But I suppose mm-hmm. it's always possible, you know, uh, if uh, maybe Stringer had some greater idea of the idea if we had somebody who really did love Dr. Robotnik. Mm. We've recently in the comic had examples of guys who were perfectly happy to work for Robotnik and, and be his enforcers and, and everything. Yeah. Oh god, so you could have this backstory yeah, where she... Yeah, loyal Robotnik follower who like lines up to be stuck full of needles, yeah. yeah. Oh wow, yeah. To get close to robot like the yeah. the reward is you're gonna be higher up in his list of villains to send out, higher up in his echelons. But you have to have this thing done to you. Ooh, there Yeah, I'd quite like to see that. Be a good little story. Oh, Metamorphia. I'm glad she got a happy end. Re- yeah, we I I, yeah. I remembered none of that stuff with Metamorphia whenever mm-hmm. we were reading up through it, you know? Do you remember yeah. when the first time she came back after her original story, it was that two-part Sonic's world, and we were just kind of grumbling about how we remembered this as being the Sonic's world that made Sonic's world be more about Sonic and not about other characters. <laughs> and then we got to the end of it, and it was like, oh, shit, no, this actually was totally a Metamorphia story. I didn't remember yeah. any of this stuff about her loving Dr. Robotnik. And yeah, and uh, and then turned it into a, into a whole thing. Ah, oh, it's really good. And you know what? Hmm. This is less about this trip in particular, but it, it is a moment that must be commemorated for. Okay. As far as I can tell, I've looked up lists online, I've checked it. As far as I can tell, mm-hmm. this is Mike Hadley's final work what tc yes far as i can tell this is his last one. Oh wow and there's nothing quite so fitting that he would get to tell the end of metamorphia's story absolutely not the earliest story he ever drew for the comic but certainly mm-hmm. one of his most notable early ones yeah wow well then isn't it interesting good i had no idea because mike hadley in the five pages that this is goes from on page one appearing kind of uncomfortable drawing tales Mm-hmm. To 
the two lovely little Tailses at the end of the strip. Yeah. Look at him there. And his metamorphia looks even better than he ever drew her before as well. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she, she, it looks to me like almost like he might have had to go and get the reference Gary Andrews did from that Sonics world or something, because she doesn't have yeah. those awful nodules on her cheeks and things the way he used to draw her back in those uh-huh. first two stories. Right, yeah. Because he hasn't drawn her since those first two stories. It was Gary Andrews and Carl Flint or other appearances. And it's funny to me that we get Hadley's apparently final story uh-huh. so soon after I was just saying a few issues ago that his art did feel like it belonged to an earlier time of STC that we were now slightly past that mm-hmm. uh, it felt a little out of place in the larger strip. I mean, there are creators whose departure from the comic we've sort of missed commenting on in the past. I don't feel like we ever passed comment on Casanova's last strip when it happened. Yeah. Because we didn't realize it at the time. I think it was the Predicto story after Sonic and Knuckles. Or um, I think it was DeGamma pointed out on Twitter, the end of Shining Force marked the end of letterer Steve Potter's work on the comic. Somebody who's been lettering uh, since, if not the first issue, the second issue, you know, lettering Wonder Boy from very early on. Oh, wow. So, yeah, the ebb and flow of creatives is is really uh, coming in now at this point. Yeah, God, it didn't occur to me. I I didn't realize that people dropped off like that. Because obviously we won't lose Stringer or Kitching or Elson. They'll be with us right up to the the final year. (laughs) We won't lose Stringer. You said it. <laughs> and Corona will do the Amy strips right up to the end, you know, uh-huh. and and uh, and Mick McMahon will be the big addition to the oh yes. stable as the, as the comic goes on. But yeah, now it's I'm realizing it's kind of just like a mental list of the big guy. Like what what will be the last story Carl Flint does, for instance, you know? Yeah. Mike Hadley feels like the first really like because. Casanova's always an artist we we paid heed to when he showed up, but in the grand scheme of things, what did he do, like half a dozen stories at most? Yeah, it wasn't many. Yeah, yeah. But Hadley, I've always said, has kind of been like the reliable workhorse, just beavering away in the background. If you ever needed a strip for a poster mag or a or summer special, he'd mm-hmm. be your man, he'd be there. Sonic's World running late, get him in there, he'll do three issues, no bother whatsoever, you know. <laughs> he was never the greatest fit, it's like you said, the start of this feels a little awkward, drawing tails still, even after all these times. He was never the greatest fit for uh, Sonic strips, but he he always showed up reliably and did the work, you know. Yeah. But at, at the same time, it feels like now at this point in time, eighty three issues in, it feels like the stories and the world and the artistic identity of the comic have sort of reached a point that's moved beyond where he was and where he operated. And it's hmm. it's great that he gets to come back and tell this story. I mean, that this story should wind up being his last one, as far as I can see. Again, I'm saying all this based on the fact that I can't find any more evidence from looking it up on wikis and everything and leafing through my own copies that he did any more stories. No. And in fact, just now I've looked it up and I found a list of all of his contributions to SCZ and it cut off before this one. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> right, well, and there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because this one was coloured by Steve White or something. Yeah, like yeah, possibly. Because he didn't yeah. do every aspect of it. Yeah. But yeah, that this story that's about the end of the story of one of like his most notable co-creations with Stringer and what was just after the end of the first year of the comic, there's no more fitting exit, really, is there? Yeah. More fitting. More because... Oh, come on! Come on! <laughs> then Tails is also in it. 
Yes. <laughs> it's like this this could be anybody's strip, honestly. It works quite well as Tails is honestly because Tails has that gentle, passive character that allows the emotions of this to come out a little more than if it was Sonic taunting and teasing and well, some of these jokes could go because he, just saying they're just saying silly things while Metamorph Metamorphia is having a breakdown for five pages around him and Tails is like, No, I am able to destroy outlaws like you. Yeah, well, it's nice to have a hobby. Ah, you and your friends are always making jokes i hate this uh i did chuckle at this one because it's so british comic again when tails is hovering in front of the chimney before he gets metamorphia to blast he's hey useless <laughs> he just calls her useless Aww. perhaps you'd have a better chance of hitting me if i stayed still and then the tire collapses and, that must have hurt and then he ends the story by going that's what i call a reformed character hey Way. yeah Next issue, Sneaker Seeker. Mm. Mm, I don't know. It's funny now because the tail strips are now. We've had some good starter tail strips, which mm-hmm. were really actively about graduating tails up, about maturing tails' character and his mm-hmm. role in the comic. And a story like this, even the more throwaway one, uh, Casino Night one there a couple of issues ago, uh, was still, it's still introduced. No, what was last issues? Oh, last issues was the, the backwards time one. That was a bit silly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then the one before that was just Tales in the Casino Night Zone, but it did introduce Max Gamble, who'll, mm. who'll become a character later on. And Sneaker Seeker, I don't know, it sounds like Tails is going to get some new shoes, probably, yeah. something like something like that, you know? So, yeah. yeah, it's hard to know exactly what to expect from Tails stories going forward, because, you know, you didn't expect this, did you? No. You didn't no. expect the Tails strip to be used as a vehicle for an emotional send-off for a reformed metamorphia. Yeah. More, please! Love it! More stuff like that! Yeah. <laughs> the emotional spectrum of Lou Stringer stories. And 102.8 Ram FM, bizarring just before that, surprise! And Soul Asylum as well, on the runaway train. On a beautiful night too, plenty of sunshine, blue skies, and it's to continue through tomorrow. We're going to sweat through 25 degrees, nice and warm, plenty of sun. Great songs from the 80s and 90s to continue in just seconds with Peter Andre, Gabriel and Enigma. Q-Zo. 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 Oh, I forgot it was a sport. It's only uh, been however long it's been since the yeah, no. control zone, but I forgot it was a sports cue zone. Oh, dear. It's not even a good It's just press these letters. Yeah. Oh, to get the dream team on FIFA Soccer 96 Press. A, A, B, B, A, C, C, B, C, C, A, A. Oh, good old good radio yeah. content. <laughs> There's this John Madden 96 one, and it uh, starts with 41, 42, 44. Instead of a play like this on Madden, <laughs> why not try a turbo ball? And it's like, I am I am a person who knows about sports, writing about sports. And then that follows on very, very specifically into the NBA Jam Tournament Edition. Get ready to basket some balls. Which is a sentence that feels akin to saying somebody has done a good football or yeah. scored a great golf. Yeah, yeah. I think it's technically right, but it does feel yeah, like guess. a joke, doesn't oh, it? Oh, he's footballed it right into the back of the net. <laughs> and what it is, is that using famous people as players instead of the likes of Michael Jordan and Shaq. So, knows, <laughs> knows about some basketball stuff there. Not famous people at all, Michael no. Jordan and Shaq. <laughs> no, no, they're not famous. Uh, makes this game extra fun. And the famous people that are more famous than Michael Jordan are... Bill Clinton, fair enough, he was fairly famous. At the time? Yep. Hillary Clinton, 
I think it's arguable. I think I'm I'm putting Michael Jordan above Hillary Clinton in terms of 1996 fame. In 1996, perhaps yes. But yeah. it is it is interesting to think back at how widely known the the first lady was at that time. You know, yeah. Whenever they'd turn up in cartoons, oh, I'm sure they did. She'd be there. You know. Anyway, certainly here, I'm putting Michael Jordan above. Hillary Clinton. I don't know about yeah. Shaq. I don't know what the level of Shaq was. Well, he had a game. He did, true. I mean, Michael Jordan was in Space Jam, so, you know. Yeah. Prince Charles, famous, obviously. Certainly here, anyway. And then Kid Silk. All my Googling, nothing. Not a one? No. no. Haven't found out who Kid Silk is okay, at all. Well, and I've tried. into this a little more. Huh? The problem is that there is a thing called Kid Silk, which is a kind of silk. So those were the Google results. Well, did you try Googling NBA Jam Kid Silk? Do you know what? Yes, I actually did. And I found a, all I found was a video saying NBA Jam special character Kid Silk. But it didn't even say who he is in the video. Hmm. Heavy D, I can do you. Well, who's Heavy D? Heavy D was a rapper and he was the one where it was like... Remember that? No, I don't. Ah, you'd recognise it if you heard it. But it's a, but also you might recognise it because it sounds a little bit like the Ghostbusters 2 song. suspicion would be if we can't turn up anything about him that Kid Silk simply might not be a real person and Chris Jones didn't know that. Oh. <laughs> so he might just be like, for this. Except the weird thing is that NBA Jam Tournament Edition they're all real people, aren't they? I bet. The players in that. Mm-hmm. And then that slightly pathetic old man tone of the whole thing I think is capped off by the, the end of the hints and tips section for Sega Rally, where it gives you a key to make the track reversed. And Chris Jones just simply ends the Q-Zone on this reverse track cheat by saying, Blacktastic! <laughs> oh, well, wouldn't it be fantastic to go back to 1996? It beats reading these! <laughs> <laughs> In the Diary Zone! I yeah. have a bad case of diary. I have a bad case of diary. I have a bad case of diary. Just a short diary zone this episode, listeners, but uh, we have a bit of Sonic content in it. It's the summer, but I'm getting, I'm a little bit fidgety, I'm a little bit restless, nothing's really happening because we're just sat at home twiddling our thumbs, I'm watching probably some old Red Dwarfs and Saved by the Bells on video as I eat my sandwich with my lunch, you know, just I'm kicking around, fiddling about on the Amiga. So not very much is happening except for Tuesday the 23rd of July 1996, 10.46pm, Yesterday, I finished my new song, I Have Got a Nose. I am putting that on the podcast. I've got it here. It's a tune I made on the Amiga, and it was like, it's just this little ditty. I have got a nose. But... I recorded like about an hour of local radio and Radio 4. So it's like 
dry people talking and local adverts. Ooh, samples. Yeah, so there's a guy who goes, I've got a fridge. And there's another guy who goes, and that's a fact. Because he's advertising his right tyres with me, whatever my name is, right. Uh, no hidden extras guaranteed, and that's a fact. I want to buy a car. I've got a car for sale. I've got a fridge I need to sell. Wanted, one fridge. Derby Evening Telegraph Classifieds. The first place to look. The first place to advertise. Call the Derby Evening Telegraph Classifieds. For results every time. This is Ian Wright of Rightway Tyres. Rightway's tyres are coming down in price. Rightway Tyres guaranteed to beat all competitors' advertised prices. Yes, all competitors' advertised prices guaranteed. See your local press for details. Rightway Tyres for your tyres. No hidden extras guaranteed, and that's a fact. There's a bloke. I wonder if I can even find the original samples. I've got the tape that I got these off. Where someone asks, it's like a news type program, and someone asks this man a long, serious question. And his answer begins, Um! (laughs) (laughs) They're all very passive, they're all very camp and effeminate and, you know, nice and quiet things. Mm. Whatever support is there, I find it rather patronising. One of the places in which I guess there's been overt demonstrations of homophobia and hostility... uh, in the black community particularly, has been in the music scene. Has that affected you, Oscar? Does it worry you? Um, That's in there, and there's all different samples. Uh, it's fun. You wait, wait until you hear it, it's quite good.
Wednesday, the 24th of July, 96. Dreamt that if I pressed my wart... I must have had a wart. I have a vague memory of... Ooh, I had a wart. Mm, I had a, one on my finger, I think. Yeah. Yeah, same, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, same exact plate. Whoa, whoa. Maybe we connected across across the sea <laughs> by growing this wart. How did you get rid of your wart? I was going to ask you the same thing. Oh, boy. Is this what it's come to? I Because I did the old wives' tale thing. After, after having it for weeks and weeks, Mum went, well, there is this old wives' tale. And we put potato skin on it. Oh. And two days later, it was gone. Uh, Mum got this medical stuff. It was just a stick that you pressed against it Ooh. for a minute, a day. Oh, that's familiar. I might have had that and it failed or something. But it worked for you, didn't uh, it? That cleared mine up. Although the thing I do remember was we had to get a, another one because Mummy. Uh, uh, well, we've talked enough <laughs> about my mother on this episode that I'll not disperse your good name too much further. Sure, no. But she decided to take up the job of being the mm, one who would press mm. the, the stick into Because you weren't board. doing it right, obviously. Clearly, clearly. Well, she went a little too ham on it and she... <laughs> and it snapped off of her across the kitchen. She went to get another one of those. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, she was trying to help. But the wart did go away, so... <laughs> so I dreamt that if I pressed my wart, it played Land of Hope and Glory. <laughs> <laughs> but only half of it. You had to press it twice for the whole thing. <laughs> press it loads of times and it goes on to Twinkle Twinkle and then a load of stand-up comedy. <laughs> That's that for that day. Sunday, the 28th of July, 96, 11.04pm. We went to the Harvester for lunch. Note to me, Harvester Scampy rules! <laughs> wow. What is Harvester? Oh, it's just, um, you may have heard in the 90s, uh, comedians would go, have you been to a Harvester before? And the audience would go wild. It was just a, it was just a cheap restaurant you could go to that'll give you a Sunday, they'll give you a Sunday dinner for a fiver, you know, it's a, nice. I suppose. I'd like a Sunday dinner for a fiver. You can still get them now, but they're sort of, um, it's like a branch that you, they would pop up all over the place and take over an existing mm. place and, uh, Thursday, the 1st of August, 1996, our final entry for this Diary Zone. Thursday, the 1st of August, so that is when this issue is still new. Yeah. Started writing my Sonic novel, Chaos, it's called, and I have Ooh. no memory of this. I do not know what I'm talking oh, about here. Lost to the world. This is nothing to do with Endomobius, I don't know what I'm on about here. Started writing my Sonic novel, Chaos. It's inspired both by the Sonic cartoon film, which I have on video, called The Quest for the Chaos Emeralds. Stretch, to call it a Sonic cartoon film, but it was a cartoon Ooh. that lasted an hour so or more, so yeah. Yeah, they cut out the title sequences in between. It's inspired both by that and the works of Martin Adams, who writes the Sonic novels. Ooh, Mine is more up-to-date than his, though. Because it's got knuckles in it. Basically, <laughs> what you mean by that, yeah. yeah. However, I will bring back Sonic's old friends for use in future stories. Good man, good man, smart, smart. Yeah, yeah, some getting Sally Acorn and that back in, and yeah, quite right too, actually. Yeah. And that's lost to time, though. There's That's never been... If my discs still work, it'll be on one of them. We'll see. One day, if I ever get the Amiga working again. But you would figure you you never finished it, maybe? Oh, God, no. No. I, did I did I even start it? If I ever dig it up, it'll go straight on the Patreon, but I don't know even, I, I don't know how far it ever got. Even if you find the uh, plotting notes. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there must be some. I bet I just started writing. That's how I did everything back then. I just started writing. You just started. Came out was it, you know, but I rarely finished anything. No, but so I don't know what this was going to be. I wish I knew. I'll look for it. Well, you never know. Yeah. 
I may dig up some notes. Few are the things you did or created that are not preserved in some form. Exactly. So there we go. The Diary Zone has kept us away from sports stuff there. Wasn't that good? No more sports stuff (laughs) for us. Thanks, Diary Zone. A breath of fresh air. What's on the next page here? Oh, God. Come on, it's not really sports stuff, is it? It's fine. You can't have not been excited to see this. It's two of my favourite things on STCDB. One, Frosty's adverts. Two, Monster in My Pockets adverts. Yeah! But three, it's Monster Sports Stars in My Pocket. The follow-up to Monster Wrestlers wrestlers, in My Pocket, obviously. Now, with the wrestlers, I discovered, just by seeing the photo, that I actually had a couple of them. I do not believe I ever had any of these. These, I don't recognise these. No, I don't think I had any of these. But these seem to have only ever been available Mm. in the uh, Frosties. Unlike the wrestlers, which were, you know, you could buy them. That's true, although I'm guessing mine came free with breakfast cereal. I would never have gone and bought wrestling toys. Team up with Monster Sports Stars, they're gruesomely ghoulish, fantastically frightening and free inside Kellogg's Frosties packs. And we have a generic sports arena in which these guys have been lined up. You know what it is, even. You could do, you know, it's Mutant League. Yeah. It's monster sports guys from different sports, and you can tell from almost all of their names what sport they are. Yeah, it's funny. Not many of them actually have names that have anything to do with their, um, the monsters they are. No. No, no clue. Or even that there's anything wrong with them. No, no, no. So they are Fullback Drac. Great name, love it. Probably the best one. That's, I know nothing about sports, but that's an American football guy, right? Uh, fullback, fullback is not even, no, that's not just reg, that's just ordinary football, isn't it? Ah, uh, see, because I was thinking quarterback, fullback, you know, but that's normal, normal football. Look, he's kicking a normal football uh, there. This, the, the, that's the discrepancy I noticed, and I was just checking against what's going on there. Okay, fullback, so. that's, a, that's a sport thing. That's a football thing. That's a football thing, okay. I'm sure of it. I'm okay. sure of it. Completely batty, looks like a mummy to me. I would have said more of a zombie kind of thing. Oh yeah, because he's dressed up for cricket. That's the kind of bat that yeah. it is. Batty, yeah, because that's why he's in white, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just now tuning into the fact that these aren't American sports. I was expecting American stuff because it's Monster in a Pocket. Yeah. Um, but, but, America, but that's not inherently American, is it? No, it shouldn't be because it's um, Bluebird, wasn't it? And they're British. But yeah, I do, yeah. for some reason, I thought they were. Maybe because... I don't know why. I just thought they were. Maybe, no. I yeah, don't know why. Yeah. Um, oh, I know why. It's because, what have you got in your pocket? Uh. Monster in my pocket! <laughs> That's why. That's why I thought they were American. The most British-sounding American accents going, of course. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Um, False so- teeth from beyond the stars meet atom <laughs> banana. You know, the full-on Enrital Brit voice doing an American and from the 50s voice. Yeah. Well, it is when it comes out of me. I don't know what the actual advert sounded like. <laughs> um, scrum down, looking rugby rather than American football to me, although they're similar, aren't they? Yeah, I don't say that to a player of either of them. But Well, I wouldn't, but he hasn't got a big hat on and he hasn't got a big armour on. Scrum down, though. What even is that as a name? Like, hmm. like a scrum is a rugby thing. Yes. But, but, scrum down. It's not monstery, is it? Scrum down. No. Just a big guy, yeah. And he doesn't look like anything. He just looks a bit gross. He doesn't... Look, well, I mean, sports people do. Um, well, it's... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no offence to the family, of course. Scrum... It sounds like a pun, doesn't it? Something down. Scrum... Yeah, come down. <laughs> yeah. Scrum down. Don't know, no. <laughs> don't know. 
Uh, Spooky Sprinter is just a running skeleton. Yep, straightforward. That's the, I respect and appreciate the greetings card style rubbishness of that one. Yeah. That's just it's exactly what it says on the tin, that one. You've got Werewolf Slugger. <laughs> that's a, that is a that is a um, an American, it's, it's baseball. You know, your slugger is... Yeah, you know, sure. Yeah. Skip one. Yep. Tony the Referee. You've got to have a Tony the Tiger one in all these. Of course, yes. you got to have Tony. We had a Tony referee for the Monster Wrestler one, too. Yes, we did. Uh, slam Dunk is, what, a Frankenstein doing a Slam Dunk there with his basketball? I say? guess, yeah. Like, but what makes it... What makes Slam Dunk? That's just a basketball That's thing. Just, That's not anything. No. Yeah. And finally, and finally, and this is the one that got me... This is peak. It took me even a minute to realise this was a pun. I love it. Oh, I still haven't worked it out, so you can tell me. Oh, okay. All right. Go on then. Good. I thought that's why you were skipping. I thought you were skipping it because it was so good. But you've actually skipped (laughs) it because you're so confused. You can tell me. Brilliant. It's just a cross-looking tennis monster. Mm -hmm. And it's called Angry Oddity, which which I skipped because it's the only one that doesn't mention what sport it is. Well, Angry Oddity sounds a little bit like... Andre Agassi. Oh my god! That's, a, that's the best one! That's the best one! Because what I was going to say is that, like, oh, I guess because there was famously that one angry tennis player. Well, that's also why I think that, I think they've mixed their references a little bit, yes. but Yeah, because that wasn't Andre Agassi. That was my initial reaction was, oh, he's angry because it's John McEnroe, the famous angry tennis player. I would wager that's where it started. yeah. And then uh, they they decided to make angry it a- oddity that oh I'm I've nothing but respect for this. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. No, they've only pictured these eight, oh. but you'll notice there are twelve available. Oh, and I have looked up the names of the other four. So let's see if we can even <laughs> figure out what they are. Okay, you've just got the names. Just the names. I mean, there may well be pictures, but okay. I've chosen not to look for them yet on the <laughs> basis that this might be a fun game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Howlin one 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 o n e, yes. Howlin one, Howlin one. <laughs> um, oh, stupid idiot, foolish Dave. Hole in one. It's a golf monster. It's got to be a golf. Howl yeah, in but, one. Uh, not as not as good as Angry Oddity, but it sits on the shelf with Angry Oddity. You'd assume it was a werewolf, but they've done a werewolf already, so I don't know. It'll just be another way. It'll be another werewolf. Yeah, well, I don't know. They haven't doubled up on anything else. Uh, we, yet. That's true. Hard puck. <laughs> okay, fine. Hockey, hard luck. Mm-hmm. Got it. Hockey, ice hockey, maybe. Uh, Abominable snowboarder. Okay, fine. Speaks for itself. It's, it's yep. in there in the name. And this one's got me stumped, Dave. Okay. Mm. The Big Dipper. Oh. Ooh, sports fans are going to be cross with us, aren't they? Mm. Uh, well, <laughs> not for the first time. <laughs> Because Dipper must be something, mustn't it? Uh, all I can think of, and it doesn't seem like sports at all, but then that'll angry another, is ice skating and ice dancing. Uh, as if you would dip your partner. Oh, could it be skiing? Because, like, dip. Yeah, yeah, dip, yeah. Dip. Now I'm going to try and find pictures, and then we'll solve this mystery. Okay. All right, we are now looking at a picture of the remaining monsters. As expected, it is another werewolf oh. playing golf. Maybe some kind of mummy or just some kind of nasty thing doing the hockey. Ice hockey, yeah. specifically, again, he does have the skates on. 
abominable snowboarder is exactly yeah. what you'd expect. The big, handsome yeti. Very sexy, big, uh, white yeti. <laughs> and, of course, the big dipper is just a swimmer, isn't it? Oh. He's, a, he's, a, he's a creature from the Black Lagoon style monster because um, he's having a dip. He's having, he's having a, a dip. dip isn't he? He's yes, just got swimming. Of course. Yeah, and he's the odd one out because that means that he looks like you've knocked him over. Yeah. Because he's lying flat as he swims. So he's always going to look fallen down on the shelf. There are two ways you can collect your set of monster sports stars in your pocket. <laughs> Lurking inside monster-sized Kellogg's Frosty 750 or 1 kilogram packs, you'll find a free monster. Plus, you can send for three sets of four monster sports stars by collecting tokens on the packs. You'll need eight tokens for each set of four bone crunching characters and they give you a starter token here on this page you can cut out and get going with which um i don't know because do you remember whenever we looked up the reboot thing before and they give you four tokens on every oh, yeah. pack and it's like well how many are you giving me here because if it's an even number then this token is useless <laughs> <laughs> yeah why do we think the token supplied here in the comic says bus on it uh um, I don't know why it says bus on it. Yeah, that's odd, isn't it? Is that um, that corporate speak for this one came in a comic and didn't come off one of our packets file accordingly? Something like that, probably. Yeah. Uh, Spine-chilling and hair-raisingly horrid, do you dare keep one of the ghostly gang in your pocket? <laughs> this must have been the last gasp for monsters in my pocket, right? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, this I mean is... with wrestlers being done now, you know, and, and these mm. aren't even in shops. You have, these are just for Frosties. Mm, yeah. What a shame. Monster in my pocket was such a great thing. It, it was such a simple idea. Here's loads of little rubber monsters and you can just have them. <laughs> was, that's great. It's weird that that <laughs> well, went I think under. it did come back in the end. Yeah, they? I think so. They've done Monster in my pocket since. But it's weird that that went away instead of just becoming like a generic sort of toy you can get everywhere, you know? Well, the thing about it is, like, there are only so many monsters, right? Well. Like, there are two werewolves in this set alone. Yeah. And if the whole appeal of the thing as it was at the very start start was here is a vampire here is a werewolf here is a yeti here is the loch ness mm -hmm. monster here is you know by the end of it they were doing spring-heeled jack and the mad gasser of matoon these were the <laughs> things that they were doing back then because there are only so many monsters yeah but it feels like having you know a little rubber witch like that's forever that's the universe that's like having a dinosaur just put that yeah, in you need more than one witch Oh. There are different kinds hey. of dinosaurs, but how different are the witches? I would be up for an entire collection of different rubber witches, personally. Yeah, yeah, but, well, you'd rather have one witch in four different colours. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm torn now. Oh, I don't know which way to turn. Oh, I'm pulled in every direction now. Oh, that was a that was a noise of uncertainty because it was sounded a bit more of an old Vic Reeves thigh rub kind of a, oh, the very notion of a little rubber figurine in four different colours. <laughs> Megadroid on the move. Written by Lynn Gibbs, art by Nick Abadzis, letters by Elisa Fell. Fed up of being underappreciated at the STC offices, Megadroid decides to look for a new job. But everywhere he tries, from a train to a cruise ship, he winds up doing the same old dog's body work. Eventually, he finds a job repairing computers, and even catches the eye of a local lady droid. But when she proves to be a bit too much of a wild thing for him, he decides it's time to return to STC, where everyone welcomes him back just in time to make the tea. <laughs>
Lovely. This is some Buster stuff. This is just some <laughs> old British comic stuff. This. Yeah, it's a bit of a muck about. And it's odd, isn't it odd, that, like, Lynn Gibbs and Nickabads it? Oh, and by the way, yeah, that's too- a Greek name, and I don't know how to pronounce it, and I apologize to anybody who does. Um, Please enlighten me. Uh, new people we haven't seen before. I don't think we never see will again. again. Yeah, it's so no. weird that they're the ones who do this instead of the... I'm going to say a dumb sentence, okay. though. The ones who know Megadroid best. He, well, yes, though. Now, Nickabads is... I, ha- I haven't really been able to find out much about that guy. Um, his art sort of fits in, though, with the kind of, like, Nigel Kitchen, Gary was named... Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not... Uh, ...cartoony yeah. side of things. He's the sort of person who probably did a strip on Zig and Zag at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I think it's really nicely drawn. It's just unusual that these people were pulled in mm. it feels as if per- oh no it's not unusual so it's the summer this is what you make when the regulars are on holiday isn't it maybe isn't it maybe like they're not though Lou and Kitching both have stuff in this comic yes true but you know what I mean like the way that the, the I guess like the way that freelancing works is that you just get everything done in a hurry and then you have a week off and then they go oh no we've, <laughs> we've still got five pages to fill I'll get this person in to do that so yeah I, I can see this being a some people are on their holidays scheduling move. Um, but I think it works for real. Uh, Lynn Gibbs, I looked up, and I wasn't able to find out much about any other comics work that she may have done. But she is a children's author of various books, including, and uh, you'll like this one, a book called Smelly Stories, Pooey Zoo. Uh, <laughs> I do like that one. Smelly warning, this book really pongs. I don't know if that's because it had any kind of scratch and sniff This aspect. book really whiffs. Yeah. Um... <laughs> And I don't know anything else about it other than that. But yes, Lynn has written a book called Pooey Zoo. Hats off to you for doing that, Lynn. Uh, I don't know exactly. It's kind of like the last Megadroid strip mm-hmm. in there. It seems almost fruitless to try and talk about it, you know? It's a bit like trying to describe a decap, isn't it? It's just like every panel or two is just a gag. Yeah. As Chris has described, he goes off and does those things and there's a one panel gag for each of those things. Mm. Even, like, in a, there's a sort of a detached feel to some of it, like the bit where he, he goes to get this job on a cruise ship, and the establishing shot is just the ship going along with, I am sailing, in the air above it. Yeah. That's like, well, hey, do you remember that song? That song's something you might have heard recently, so here's that. A, you recognize yeah. that? That's a, that's a joke, apparently. That's what that is. <laughs> the, the, yeah, boat-based humour. And... You know, that, yeah, he's just going around doing, there's something silly going on in every panel. or Well, there's often two or three silly things going on in every panel, which I like. Yes. It's, yes, it's well drawn, but we can't say much. What about this one where he goes to the train station? Mm-hmm. Those two people up front. I know. Caricatures of somebody. Right? I know. Mm-hmm. Look at them. They're so specific. As somebody he knows in real life. But And then and then he's putting little gags in the background, W.H. Smith, which like W like the shop WH Smith. It's not, not yeah. we're not talking big gags here. We're not talking like, oh I get it because, no, it's, because like, w, no, it's just like the thing but a bit different. Yeah. Very well realized train station. I'm guessing this is a real Oh yeah, that's gotta be photo referenced as well, yeah. Like yeah, that's got to be a drawing of Egmont House from the outside when he is leaving. Surely, right? surely. I like this panel where he uh, he gets kicked off the uh, boat and then washes up at this seaside town pomfret mm. on sea. Yes. That's a kind of fish, a pomfret. Look at that little fish. Oh, look at it. I love the little fish just lying on the beach. It's someone's discarded fish and chips, but the fish is whole and smiling with both its eyes. It's like he's just grinning up at him, and it's a lovely little fish. It's like he's using the unwrapped fish and chips wrapper as a blanket to have a nice sunbathe with, isn't it? (laughs) And uh, he spots a computer repair shop in this cute 
lady droid in the window, but did you see it down in the bottom? It's like, cool, 80 ZX Spectrum. The 80s droid pronounced boobs. Yes. Yeah, I don't like them. No. <laughs> no. No, they're, they're, they're very carefully drawn to, you know, you know, to sort of hang naturally, pointing in two different directions yeah. and with segmented, it's like a wireframe. It's very detailed. It's odd to see. <laughs> then hers and Megadroid's exchange is all a bit Knuckles knockout special joke page. <laughs> yeah, what's that thing? Yeah, where she goes, uh, how do you fancy seeing the Judge Droid film? Oiled love to. <laughs> But I prefer seeing those jokes sitting in a comic about a robot than a, just a joke page. That's true, yeah, instead of just planted without context, yeah. yeah. Um, also, and, and she goes around eating out of this box of plastic chips. Why not microchips? That'd be a better yeah, joke. Yeah, it's a missed joke, yeah. One, microchips. It's what robots eat, microchips. Two, McCain microchips. It's a type of chip. Real chips. Mm -hmm. Quickity-quick, microchips. When you've got kids under your feet... Something quick to eat Just think McCain and save your day Three minutes here and you're awake Quickity quick Microchips McCain may crinkle cut or straight Great from the box or on a plate Try them once and it'll be plain Four microchips make them McCain Quickity quick Microchips McCain microchips Real chips Crickety quick Megadroid gets a bit mad that she's eaten all the chips and won't offer him one Yeah and then they go down to the discos, and uh, uh, I'm not sure what his beef is at the disco, no, to be honest. No, neither do I. He's just having... She's So what it is, is that his heart gradually breaks, right? And in mm. the, the So he gives her the oil, there's that thing. They go to the cinema, she's eating the chips, and his heart breaks a little bit, as he says. She hasn't, even, she offered hasn't even offered him a chip. Next one, down at the Techno Toes disco bar, and what it is, is that... i got to be honest, though, she looks like the sort of one who'd talk through a film. And I'm I know. On, I'm, I'm, I'm on his side, right? She's... You're getting a vibe off. I know. Um, so th they're in the disco. She's got this... She's. By the way, she's got a cool design feature, which is that she's got, like, yeah. loads of wired plugs as a ponytail coming off her head that's kind of like... But she's the, they're all wires, and then they, oh, they yeah, terminate yeah. in one, in one plug, plug at the end, as if that was, like, the scrunchie at the end of her hair that... Uh, that's right, yeah. And in the disco, she's spinning this round. Yeah. Woo -woo -woo. The plug just whirling around on the end of the wires. Like a helicopter blade as she dances. And Megadroid is just sitting... With his head in his hands, with his heart fully broken, but yeah. I think it's just that he's being a grump. Like that's not her. She's yeah, not I knew I should have oiled my joints before I left STC. He says, and it's like, well, oh, that's what it is. He can't dance because he hasn't oiled his joints. That's what it is. Uh, but that's even so. But that's not her doing it, something it, it's to not him. Her fault. Yeah. Still, still, she, she does seem a bit. She's a bit rough. This. <laughs> 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 Megadroid doesn't like him rough, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't enjoy myself if I went to a, a techno disco bar and uh, yeah. If you know. if you were out with a lady who revealed that her way of dancing was to whip her hair round like a helicopter blade, that would be a bit too aggressive for you. Well, certainly if there was an object as sharp and weighted as a plug <laughs> on the end, yeah, of it, you yes. don't want to get hit by one of them. That's true. 
She seems like she's enjoyed herself rightly, though. Megadroid, it, I mean, yes, Meg, apart from the fact she didn't offer him a chip, it really does seem like Megadroid's in the wrong in this one, honestly. It's, cheer up, you misery. Yeah, that's it. He's just a misery. He's just not a good date. And I say that with full understanding oh, yes. that I would yes, be yes. in the same position as Megadroid if, if I find myself in this yes, scenario, yes, yes. but it would be like... Yeah, this is yeah, this someone's on me. I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's happened here is he's just he's dating someone far more interesting and fun than he is. Yep. <laughs> so he's got to go back to the office, and the way he goes back to the office is quite fun, isn't it? Yeah, he hops on some power lines. Yeah, yeah, he climbs up a pylon and zips along the thing, and they have to you know put a little caption note to boomers: don't try this at home. A note that very much looks like it was added in after the fact. Well, because it's got that look that we've noticed before of like mm. being carefully written over some tipex. Elita Fail did not write that. Yeah. It's got that knobbly bobbly look of I suspect there was always a caption there, but I don't think it said this. But it was probably a funny joke. Yeah. Or Elita made such a pig's ear of the caption that she just had to write it again. Because this is a rewritten over tipex caption, no matter what. Yes, definitely. Then he goes home and they do a big welcome back wave, big sign and they've got tutors and balloons and then they tell him to go and make the coffee. Mm. I might have known <laughs> this is uh, again this is some silly summer special stuff yeah know? but it, it, it's so random right <laughs> now. what's it doing here you know, the, the, the previous Megadroid strip made sense did it why well it was in the bumper size Christmas special issue oh there you go then yeah you know, it was an extra strip in addition to the normal Got ones it. whereas this is very random uh, this wouldn't have felt out of place in the summer special to replace mm. that um movie story with the glue gun camera from this year's Sonic Summer Special with this one. So you're right about that, but you're right about it in the way that people who are able to say that the order of songs on an album isn't very good are able to talk about that. Like, (laughs) fundamentally, I'm like, I'm sure you have a point, but to me, there's just a cool thing here in this, (laughs) so I don't mind. (laughs) Next issue, a new image for Sonic's world. That's not something to get too excited about. I think new image is just the title of the next Sonic's world strip. I don't think it's... uh... But yeah, all in all, it's, it's a silly, cute, just very straightforward, bustery, Beano-y sort of thing with cute, serviceable art and mm-hmm. the kind of writing where they just make a joke each panel and it doesn't really make yeah. a story, but there's a start and there's an end and some stuff happens in between them. And uh, yep. uh, yeah, it's fine. And I don't think Megadroid will ever get another strip, which is fine because it's a little weird. But oh, I, I agree, but... I want him to. I think. I think he. I honestly, I would have Megadroid in as as frequently as Decap. Get just make him one of the make him the story at the back. That's just a bit of mucking about. I quite like it. But then again, it's a very limited. There's a certain number of things you can do with Megadroid, and uh, I think we've done them all. Yeah, and I mean, I like that this one is about reminding everybody that he is not the bloke who runs the comic, but the guy who gets the coffee and yeah. massages their feet and everything. You know? <laughs> It, more than a summer special, this would be at home in an annual, I think. Yes, an annual. You're right, yeah. actually. The summer special wouldn't make any sense at all when you think about it, obviously, because they're not even hosted by Megadroid. Oh, yeah. But it feels like the sort of strip, yeah, that it needs to be somewhere as part of an event. And an mm. annual, yeah, that's that's the kind of thing, yeah. Channel Tuning. This one from Owen Davies. Sent via the miracle of email. (laughs) He wants to know whatever happened to the news zone. This Mm -hmm. insight into the world of Sega Fast became my favourite section of the comic. It was useful being the Sega know-it-all at college, but now I'm as dumb as all the rest. Ooh, college (laughs) is an older sender here. Oh, yeah, uh, yes. Mm. 
Megadroid says so college. much for the. I know. Hang on a minute. Come on, come on. At college, you can read actual games magazines. What are you doing? Well, maybe it's one of those things where technically the school I went to was called college. Oh, actually, a college. So yeah, might, might be a situation like that. <laughs> Megadroid says, so much for the old Hume saying, no news is good news, however, do not fret, because next issue, STC has a special news feature on the forthcoming (laughs) Sega channel. I thought, I just sort of assumed, well, no, I was going to say, I just sort of assumed that it had come and gone by this point, and it's in fact probably documented and provably untrue that I already looked up and knew and talked about on this podcast the dates that the Sega channel actually happened in the UK. Yeah, I think somewhere in the 30s or 40s, because I was listening to it not that long ago. But I have long since forgotten them. Same. And it. Yeah. And uh, turns out it was still only coming now. My impression was that it was something that didn't come out in this country, but then perhaps I was corrected on that in the very episode <laughs> that we're talking about. That is what I remember it being, that we assumed <laughs> it didn't get here, and I went and looked it up and it turned out it did. And now it finally is, and I guess I'll just have to go and look it all up again all up for again. next episode. <laughs> <laughs> Getting personal. Dear Megadroid, I must know the following, asks Mark Farrelly of Dublin, Ireland. Chris is going to play Megadroid, answering mm. these points. One, when is it your birthday? I'm as old as STC itself. Dot, dot, dot. Precisely true. Two, how do you get around when you have no legs? Overlook in my own story. Oh, this it's issue. a joke. I thought it was a mere misprint. I thought it just said, Hover, look in my own story, and they just wrote it badly. You're quite right. <laughs> Hover, look. <laughs> Hover, as in have a. Three, how'd you go to the bathroom? Mind your own business. <laughs> nice. And the last letter here, DIY Sonic, comes from Ryan Worgen in Letchworth in Hertfordshire. Dear STC, I have a great idea. How about a step-by-step guide of instructions on how to draw Sonic? Oh, and of course we know, the Megadroid replies, you can pamper to your artistic needs by uncovering <laughs> by uncovering diagrams and instructions of how to draw Sega's Super Speedster. Karma. <laughs> I feel like they're filling some space there. In the 1996 Sonic Holiday special. And everything printed this time wins a, a hog tag. The hog tags. We hog talked tags. about it last time, but just hog lest tags. you forget, it is hog tag time now. Yes, hog tag. How long will they last? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, we've got a couple of bits of fan art. Daniel Fulton from Portsmouth has sent in Mystic Sonic, which is Mystic Meg, already described on this podcast. Yes. The fortune teller from the National Lottery. I genuinely thought that she was something else besides that. But was that what she was, like, created to be? Huh? As a character? Oh, you mean you thought that she was, like, um, Russell Grant or something, and then she yeah, 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 yeah. was also on the... Yeah. She may well have had a career before the National Lottery, but I hadn't heard of her. She was famous for the National Lottery. I bet she was in The Sun or something. You know what I mean? She would Probably, have been in something. Yeah. She would have been in The Sun... I don't know how people get away with that talking like the way she talked and that was being allowed on television and that was like that bullshit cadence of hers. Yeah. What is that acting? Is that is that acting love? Is that what that's supposed to be? I bet yeah. before the National Lottery she was in something else too. <laughs> Ha 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 ha!
Margaret Lake, from Lancashire, was sub-editor of the News of the World and deputy editor of its Sunday supplement, until in the 80s they decided the paper should have an astrologer and Meg Markova was born. And then we've got an interesting bit of fan art up here from Craig Marlowe in Northants. Interesting is the word, yeah. Um, so it's, so, it, the caption is, Knuckles has a fistful of dollars, and it's Knuckles, I don't even know what as. Like, no, it's impossible to really figure this one out. <laughs> He's got a blue coat on. Yeah. And the coat has dollar signs and pound signs. Just stacks and of coins cash. Yeah. And, and notes of money. And then he seems to have... in He has money in both hands. In one hand, he's got a bill, a five-pound note. Yeah. In the other, he's dropping a gold coin. But it looks more like he's... Punching a gold coin down yes, through the air. That's exactly what it looks like, yeah. And he's got a little sort of yellow flower up beside his where his ear would be as well as if he had a flower tucked behind his ear. Yeah, exactly. That which suddenly makes the shirt read as like a Hawaiian shirt because of its colours. It's light blue and green really, and yellow. Not to me, no. Does to me. Um, no, it's that is odd. And also, uh, Craig has tried hard to figure out where the shoelaces would go on Knuckles' <laughs> shoes. He's tried a couple of different places um, on each shoe. Yeah, and then yeah. Ultimately, has sort of just not inked them over. It, it's something he's given up for a bad idea. Well, Knuckles doesn't have shoelaces. Well, exactly. He just puts those big Lego pieces on there to hold them shut. That's exactly it, yeah. Do you think that's what they are? Them. Is that no, what they are? They, think... they clip shut and then the, like, the circles come up through the plate and that's it clipped. Like the poppers on a cap. It's either that, or they're uh, uh, literally the welded plates of metal, which is what they really look like. You know, he got the shoe on, and it was like... And it just no, it does not come off now. That's how he puts his shoes on every morning. He gets his welding equipment out. Every morning? No, no. They, they're on now for good. Sega Ugh. was like, we're taking no more discussions about what Sonic characters' feet look like. <laughs> Everybody from Knuckles onwards, those are getting bolted on and never coming off. <laughs> it's your man. any letters from our mailbag yes i have we've got a couple of letters from our mailbag and both of these pertain to a recent episode oh call and response i do enjoy it exactly so this first one is a return to the mailbag from my cousin john hey. who says hi gang thanks again for a megatitious podcast <laughs> I'm just listening to the third birthday episode, and I thought I'd share some thoughts on Sega, Sega World. I would have gone as a birthday treat, possibly nine or ten, which puts us in either 96 or 97, when apparently it was well past its prime. Well, me and my mum went down to London specifically to go there, as I imagined it was some grand exposition of everything Sonic. I'm afraid that my abiding memories of it were of disappointment, yeah. as there just wasn't enough Sonic there for my liking. I did get to play Sonic the Fighters and Sega mm. Sonic the Hedgehog, the one with the rollerball. Ooh. Wow, and enjoyed both. Oh, God, I didn't, didn't know I was tied by blood to someone who's seen that arcade game. <laughs> um, and I enjoyed both most because they had Sonic in them. Uh, we also went on a VR roller coaster thing that was really cool. I don't remember the giant escalator, though. Everybody be chatting about how big a deal the escalator was. That, I'm afraid, John, is a problem with your memory, because it, it definitely was there. <laughs> um, I mostly remember that the whole experience seemed to be for bigger children and felt a bit mm. intimidated by all the neon and flashing lights. Yeah, I can well imagine. I bet it feels like, you know, you know one of those... Right, 
Stay with me for a minute here. You know one of those places where you maybe maybe you're at a theme park or something like that or a seaside resort and you think you're going in somewhere for kids. It's got climbing and soft mats and ball pools. But it but it's playing siren noises a bit too loud. <laughs> Do you know what I mean by that? Do you know what I mean by that? A bigger place for bigger boys. Yeah. Woo! And the lights are fl- they've got those flashing siren lights and the, oh, I don't know. There's a bit grown up for me. Yeah. The best thing about it was the little pewter Sonic figurine that I got from the gift shop. I must have taken it into school for at least a week before I lost it round someone's house. Oh, John. I looked it up. That little pewter figure, you're not even getting that on eBay. That is rare. If you find that, I've only seen one, and that is on a blog belonging to, like, a Sonic collector. Oh, no. Yeah. So, obviously, John's friend... Sold that one to the Sonic Collector. So, yeah, if you ever... Uh, boomers, if you ever see that, uh, snap that one up. Uh, it's not It's not that good. Like, the, the good thing about it is that it's a little pewter figure. It doesn't look... It looks more like Sonic 3D Sonic than Sonic Sonic, you know? <laughs> For one thing, he's got a snowman nose. You know, like a flat tangerine nose. Oh. But uh, I would love to have one of them. Anyway, I've got some artwork coming up in the Halloween issue, so I'm looking forward <laughs> to that. Ooh, what? I remember that. That's away. Do I remember that? I'll wait and see if I remember it when, it when it comes up. Wow. Very rude of me to remember that my friend got a letter in, but not that my cousin got a drawing in. Maybe I just wasn't looking at the pictures by that point. Or reading the names on the pictures. Yeah. P.S. <laughs> okay. Maybe this is a whole can of worms, but my interest in Sonic Media was pretty much exclusively STC. Having never been exposed to it, well done, John, for not being as online a child as we were, is it possible to explain... Why the Archie comics are so rubbish? <laughs> Listen, they're basically, on the one hand, they're really just rubbish because they're different. Yeah, that's all it is. It's just yeah, a yeah. joke we just played. They're just they're just rubbish because they're different and they're not like the games. That's that's part of it. Yeah. But then the other part of it is the long stretch of time for which they were genuinely toxically rubbish, written just by a very bad writer who was much more interested in, in turning the comic into a teenage romance drama yeah. than the kind of thing that a normal person would want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like that, that's, that's the most that. succinct way of explaining it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and when he did do the sort of thing that ostensibly we would like, uh, so like, well, and I would like this more than Chris as listeners to the end of Mobius on our Patreon will know, but when he started going into... Big epic stuff. Echidna backstory lore and stuff... The ideas he came up with were just fundamentally not good ideas and people still make fun of them now. Famously, the one is that Knuckles is... The reason Knuckles has those Knuckles is because Knuckles' dad put his egg in the microwave when he was an egg. <laughs> not literally, but... Uh... <laughs> no, but that's how everyone makes fun of it. What is it really? Yes. He, just, he exposes it him to radiation. with chaos radiation. Yeah, right, yeah. Which is not different, really, to what I did in Endomobius, where he touches a... A chaos emerald and gets mm. them, but it's no. But understand that it's not that he has his knuckles because he's a burrowing animal and he uses his knuckles <laughs> to burrow. It's, it's that he has the knuckles because he got <laughs> blasted with chaos radiation when yes. he was an egg. Yeah. Because he was an egg. That's another part of it that you have to understand is that he was an egg. Yeah. Yes. Knuckles's parents have cloacas. Heroes in a half shell. Knuckles had parents. Sonic had parents. These are bad ideas that one simply should not do. (laughs) Yeah. And and now legally can't, because Ken Penders has legally won a court case to ensure that nobody else can do that. Oh no, boo-hoo. 
that's a shame. Well, uh, anybody, I think they could if they wanted to, but Sega's like, no, we're just not doing yeah. that. And yeah. <laughs> yes, I, yes, somehow I doubt it's anything. But before to... he was on it, the Archie comics, like a lot of them were, the, the early Archie stuff was very comparable to Stringer's comedy strips. Oh yeah, the but first was, ones were great. It was, yeah. it was a funny animal book hmm. um, using the cast of the Sat AM cartoon in stories that were more akin to the Adventurers cartoon. Just a goofy book. Yeah, if you read the first few now, you'd have no idea what we were complaining about. It's... Well, if you read the first few now and you set them next to SDC, you'd see what we were complaining about. Yeah. Here's a way of describing it. I don't know if you ever saw the cartoon that had Princess Sally in it as one of the main characters, right? But just imagine there's a main female character in Sonic, right? In the first issues, it's all knockabout fun. It's It might as well be Beano strips about Sonic. Yeah, yeah. By issue 50, Ken Penders led up to a big story in which, for issue 50, he kills off Princess Sally. In fact, it would appear Sally dies in issue 47. The story of Sonic being on trial for her murder is a four-parter lasting until number 50. Probably. Maybe it goes on longer. I'm not reading any further into it. That was the big finale. And Dr. Robotnik! You know, after Ken Penders got his hands on it, it went from la di da whoops, slipped on a banana peel, custard pie in the face, let's juice and loose, to... Sally Acorn is dead because she fell off a building. It wasn't even a it wasn't it wasn't a quiet death. I think she fell off a building, didn't she? I can't remember honestly. <laughs> I, I just seem to remember it being a long fall, and then Sonic, presumably out of revenge, kills Doctor Robotnik. That's that's Ken. Uh, that's the kind of storytelling he, he Ken Penders brought end of Mobius storytelling to the Archie comic, and thereafter it was all love triangles and so on. I mean, it, it's not quite so fair to say as it went that quickly, because the first thing he ever did was, like, on issue, I don't know, 11, 12, 13, something like that, you know? Mm. And then it's an issue... I mean, understand, issue 50 hasn't happened yet. You're right there, because it's monthly. In the timeline of where we are now, it's almost ridiculous to think. Issue 50 happens around the same time. Mm. That STC hits issue 100. Yes, because it's monthly. I forgot. Of course it is. Because yeah. I was comparing it to our issue 50, which was just great. That was Sonic 3 and Knuckles stuff. That was Metallics the, the jumping on the Master Emerald Sonic and Super versus Sonic. Metallics. Whoa, great stuff. Better. <laughs> Better. <laughs> but yeah, that was like summer 97 when that 50 came out. Okay, so in that case, a more fair comparison then will be when we get to issue 100, which I still say better well yeah well that's that's part of it was like the archie comic contemporaneously like sdc was simply better than the archie comic no even the bits of archie that weren't bad were perfectly fine for what they were like everything sdc did was almost like across the board just like objectively better Mm. and archie would only get worse yeah after stc ended as well yeah yeah you know there's three more years of stc after issue 100 or thereabouts but penders would be on the archie book until 2005 six mm, you yeah. know uh, yeah. right up until ian flynn takes over and there it would bad and it was and bad it was just and getting just get worse, worse you know worse and worse yeah so pre ian flynn yeah like it's just it's just bad man this is bad and uh to translate, uh, Ian Flynn was someone who took over and made it good again, by all accounts. But, yeah. of course, we weren't reading it. So, Funnily enough, I actually I did sort of tune into it around then because he started writing... Yeah. I've probably said this on the show before, but he started writing the Archie book right as I started working in a comic shop. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, I think a lot of... Most stuff of his I saw was the stuff that was directly having to sort of tidy up all the shit that was left dangling before he could yeah. really get off and start off on his own. 
We got one more letter along similar lines. Dear Chris and Dave, I'm writing this in between listening to your third birthday episode and the hey. Knuckles Knockout special, Woo. which was my last issue as a regular collector of STC, so the timing uh. feels right. I did buy issue 83 after this. Hey, here we are, this issue. But only because we were stuck in the ferry port in France at the end of a holiday, waiting for a much-delayed boat, and it was one of the few things I had any interest in reading in the small stack of English magazines you could purchase. But... By and large, at the ripe old age of 14, I had moved on to more, and I use the term loosely, grown-up reading material. See, that's like me and knocking it off when I did, if I had bought the next issue, which was the Mark Miller spinball wizard thing. Mm. I would have been like, oh yeah, I was right enough to stop this. And I can only imagine if you picked up this issue, thinking to yourself... I'm kind of, you know, at a point when you decided you were kind of done with Sonic. Oh, yeah. You picked up yeah. this one and it's just like a kind of perfectly good but but very throwaway Sonic story. The Tales story is, you gotta, you gotta kind of cut into it to really get to what's good about it. Uh, a silly little Megadroid story and the mm. second half of an uneventful Knuckles story. If, 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 you, if you'd been on the fence at all, that would have been like, yeah, no, right enough, actually, yeah. And it's so silly because this is actually just not representative of everything on either side of it. Mm. It's so much bigger, cooler stuff is actually happening yeah. and about to happen on either side of this. This is an unlucky one to happen upon. So more, used term loosely, grown-up reading material like Sega Magazine and mm. Essential X-Men. Ooh, yes. Uh, I am very much looking forward to continuing into an era of the comic that's completely unknown to me alongside you and your still-excellent podcast. Yay! Now, my main reason for writing in, though, I is... I feel like a lot of my responses in this uh, letter section are always you reading something and me going, hey, in the background like some sort of Muppet. <laughs> now, my main reason for writing in, though, is as a response to the conversation about Sega World in the latest episode. For you see, in May of 1997, on my 15th birthday, I actually went to Sega World oh. with my family. I've been excited by the idea of it from features in both STC and Sega Magazine, and managed to convince my mum that this would be an excellent birthday outing. Mm. And I did have fun. I loved an arcade anyway, and this was one of the biggest I'd ever seen. I had a go on Street Fighter 2 late for that but all right um played daytona four years late <laughs> played daytona usa in a proper sit-down cabinet and i had my first encounter with sonic the fighters but even then i couldn't help but be a bit disappointed with the overall experience our tickets granted us access to three of the main attractions Oh, God, so there's different tickets for different amounts uh, of attractions so, you could yeah. have. And I don't know if I made bad decisions, but certainly two of them were a bit rubbish. The first one, it was like one of those 4DX cinemas, but without the water spraying you in the face. The audience was sat there, being taken on an underwater mission by a weird little robot. There would come a point where you would get attacked by a monster, and the robot would urge the audience to press the big red buttons on their chairs to fire missiles at it. To my annoyance, half the audience didn't seem to understand what was going on and didn't bother. We got eaten by the monster. Oh. I actually really enjoyed this ride, and it put me in mind of the sort of attractions you get at the French theme park, Futuroscope. It was fun and exciting and easily the high point of the day. Futuroscope, surely. I beg pardon. Yes, it probably is Futuroscope. I don't know how the French would pronounce it, but yes. Yeah, it's Futuroscope. Future Do you know about Futuroscope? I don't. I'm just making fun of the French. Uh, right. Uh, Futuroscope, I've actually been there. Oh. Yes, I've been to Futuroscope in, I believe it was, I don't even know, many years ago with, with Abby. And it, what it is, is it's a theme park. I, I may have mentioned it before. I've mentioned it somewhere. It's a theme park 
where every ride is an IMAX screen doing something mm-hmm. else. That's what it is. So there's an IMAX screen that's in 3D. There's an IMAX screen that's showing a 3D film. Uh, there's an IMAX screen that's showing you that bit uh, Homer cubed off The Simpsons, but in 3D. There's one where there's an IMAX screen, and then the ground is glass, and under it is another IMAX screen, and it's showing oh nature footage of birds in flight, and you can look down and see more things like that. And for you, but perhaps for the Twitter, I have two photographs here of me and Abby at Futuroscope. Look at little baby Dave. Yeah. And little baby Abby. How long ago was this? Well, I don't know. I'm a little disappointed you don't have a bum bag on, Dave. I know, me too. I mean, I've got my bag bag on, so... Yeah, yeah, that. but that's not the point. Uh, so that was fun and exciting and easily the high point of the day. The second ride we went on was basically one of those big simulators that were popular in the 90s and early mm. noughties. So we had two rows of people sat in front of a screen who each had two joysticks that didn't move with fire buttons on the top of them. Michael Jackson then appeared on the screen in front of us and sent us on a mission in space. Every audience member then had to fire missiles to blow up the enemy and complete the mission. I guess I managed to hammer the buttons faster than anyone else as I got the high score, which meant that when it came time to land our damaged ship, MJ gave control of the vessel to me. Oh yeah, we saw something about this, didn't we? Where Michael Jackson is going like, oh no, the pilots are dead or something. You're going to have to pilot it now. That rings a bell, yes. We were speculating that that must just mean that, you know, the simulator continues as before, but now in the story you're in charge. But no, apparently one person in the audience is in charge. So this meant I had to hit the correct fire button to land it. The ride kept screaming at me to push the up button, but didn't tell me which button this was. I tried both a few times and it made no difference at all, so we crashed and burned. (laughs) This ride was weird. It felt like the interactivity was just an illusion to me, and even at the time I didn't particularly enjoy it. No, you wouldn't. It's a ritual humiliation, it turns out. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? It's a theme park that's entirely built around games and challenges, so there has to be a lose condition, doesn't there? Yeah, yeah. And the final ride was Sega World's disappointing take on bumper cars. The cars moved very slowly. and That's right. Remember, we saw their pictures. Did we? Yeah, in the summer special. And had a cage over the top of them with a cannon on top. Oh, yes. And again, remember. Yes. They were plastic balls like you'd find in a ball pit all over the floor. You had to drive over these to suck them into your car's cannon. Or quite like that. This sounds amazing. What was bad about it? (laughs) And then fire them at the other cars. Great. This sounds brilliant. Yeah, the aim of the game, of course, is to realise how far away from the other cars you need to be to beam them directly in the face. (laughs) Well, they've got cage around them, so you can't. Oh, is it around them? I thought it was like that it catches the balls at the top. Right, okay. Specifically to avoid that situation. I'm now seeing what the problem with the game is. That you can't shoot the other players in the face? Yes. What's the point of shooting a cage? There's presumably a target? I would have thought... Well, yes, okay. If there's Uh. no reason to shoot them then yes but i assume there was a target or something you had to hit on the other car to rack up or points. at least you know if the cage gets touched it goes blah 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 and you've got a yeah, point something yeah yeah points some kind of point system oh but uh wait a minute though all of our speculation about to go out the window because as far as i remember there was no way of keeping score Ugh. and hitting the other cars had no effect on anything Ugh. it was sh- yeah that's mm. These days, I'd liken it to a rubbish version of that last bit from Takeshi's Castle. <laughs> Weirdly, as disappointing as it was, I'm still really glad we went. I had fun, I got to play video games, and as a massive Sega fan, there was a weird rush just to being somewhere called Sega World. Mm. Thanks for all you do, and keep up the excellent work on the podcast. And that is from PJ Montgomery. PJ! Mega Drive Mini Owner. Great to get letters from people who went to Sega World, because, I mean, even though I know I have a relative who went to Sega World, still yeah. it's... It's like, 
yeah, I don't know. It's something I, he may have made it up. I don't know. It might not really have been real. Yeah. <laughs> it's just nice to have corroboration. <laughs> Building a little, a little community of people who went to Sega World. <laughs> Less a community, perhaps, and more sort of rehabilitation center. <laughs> And there we go, that is your letters. If you want to be in our mailbag, then you need to write to stctpodcast at gmail.com. St- there's, pay attention to how many P's there are in this. stctpodcast. There's no the P, P there. stands not, for podcast in this. Yeah, scenario. it's not stctp podcast. stctp podcast. Yes. Next issue, new image in Sonic's mm, world, as we yes. saw on the anoraks are back in Sonic's world, and it's a picture yes. from the strip, evidently, of Sonic, and he's in an anorak, he's, and it's yeah. up over his spikes, and it's looking very over... looks like Carl Flint art, but not Carl Flint colouring. What it looks like is when one of the kids in the graphic zone try to draw something on a Sonic character that doesn't go on a Sonic character. That is exactly what it looks <laughs> like, isn't it? Hmm. So more on that. Next episode, new Sonic story, Heroes and Villains. That's the real talking point. There we go. That's the one. And a new Knuckles story, Village of the Damned. That's got to be, there's no way that's not going to be good, right? Another kitchen dub and joint on Knuckles doing with a title like that. Complete Tales story, Sneaker Seeker. A new special on the Sega channel. Reviews, Panzer Dragoon 2 and Starfighter 3000. The Q-Zone, Sonic Revisited. Upsie leftsy downsy. <laughs> we'll upsie left see you there. <laughs> <laughs> STC 84 on sale Wednesday, the 7th of August, 1996. £1.20 of your hard earned pocket money. You'll be able to find that next episode. Most places good podcasts are available, but you can download it from our lovely new website, oh, yeah. stctp.com. Zone. Yeah. Oh, love it. We got our own little dot com thing. Yeah. Our webmaster, they still call that Spanky, has revivified our website. It looks a bit like STC now. Go and have a little look. You can still get to stcp.wiggletee.com, so all those previous episodes aren't lies. But stctp.zone, don't you want to try that out? Dot zone. STPTP zone. <laughs> um, you can follow the podcast on Twitter. It's at Sonic Podcast. We're there individually. I'm at Demon Tomato Dave. And I am at Chris McFilly. And you can find us both on YouTube under those names as well. You can support this podcast at patreon.com forward slash stctp, where your donations will buy you access to our bonus vault of episodes where we look at other Sonic media like the Martin Adams novels. And the Dave Bulmer epic. <laughs> yeah, novel is not the right word for that no. thing you've composed. No, no, no. Serial online fiction that hurts Chris more and more each time he has to hear any of it. The end of Mobius. Notionally, we're progressing closer to the end yes. of these things now at yes, this point. Yes, yeah, we'll have to come up with another idea. But it does feel like the closer we get to it, the more it sort of recedes away out into the distance, like just a ever rainbow. so slightly beyond our reach. Honestly, some of the looks on Chris's face when I'm reading in my old fanfic is worth price of admission, which is anything you want. Yeah. Pound coin. No tears. Many pound coins. Many, many, many pound coins. You know, you get our gratitude and uh, favour if you do that, of course, but you get the same content. <laughs> our theme song is Synchronize. That's by Sonic the Comic, the band, a band called Sonic the mm-hmm. Comic, whose work you could find at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. Mm-hmm. But we have been Sonic the Comic, the podcast, and we will see you <laughs> next time. <laughs>
if that's something you'd be interested in. There's lots of other silly songs there as well, and uh, and I found some more Amiga ones when I found that, so I might pop them on as well. Okay, bye.